This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking Gemini Man. This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking Gemini Man. He knew everything I was going to say. Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello! Hi. Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We cover some various movie topics, jump into a mostly spoiler-free review, then duck back into other film movie topics. This is episode 381. 381. 381. <laughs> That's supposed to be a clone of what you just said. I, I got, you know, about. I got it. And I was like, yeah. Abe probably going to explain why he did that. And I'm like, I'm listening. <laughs> and, and right on you. <laughs> <laughs> and this week, as Abe alluded to already, we're talking Gemini Man. This is the latest feature from director Ang Lee, who is starring Will Smith, among others. Two Will Smiths, actually. Like, people got to go to the theaters this weekend and be like, one for Gemini Man with Will Smith and the ticket attendant, because that's how things operate. There's ticket attendants. They're like, you know what? Not only are we going to let you see Gemini Man with Will Smith, we're going to give you another Will Smith for free. Like, that's how that's how insane this deal was. And people did not take advantage of it. It came in third place at the box office. I would have been like, you know, pay double and I'll give you two Will Smiths. I would have made more money. What if they charge? I don't know why do we we don't need to go into that no. whatsoever. No. <laughs> I was about to go way off. Get, into just get AMTA list. That would have taken up way too much time just to go off of that little piece. Uh, what's happening, Gemini Man? That's what we're talking. Joining us today to discuss Gemini Man, we have from Movies Marcus. On your mark, ready, set, let's go. Dance Floor Pro. It's Marcus Robinson. All right, back for a black movie. <laughs> I only I only get up for black movies. I tried to I tried to mix it up recently, but yes, I got you off for, for two Will Smiths equals one very black movie. That's what's up, yes. Also joining us for the first time, writer for Battleship Retention in the Criterion cast, time to sit back and unwind, summer, summer, summertime, it's Scott and I. Hey, thanks for having me. For sure, glad to have you on. Here, always good to get new guests on the show. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, no, I'm, I I like seeing you with screenings and interacting on Twitter and whatnot. I know, we run into each other all the time, and mm-hmm. I, I always uh, like do a double take. I'm like, oh, of course it's Aaron. Yeah, I see him all the time. <laughs> well, why wouldn't it be? Exactly. <laughs> of course, right? Yeah. But now, now I'm, you, glad, now I'm glad that we're on friendly terms. Yeah. Now we've brought you into our fold, into our we've 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 usurped you away from talking about Criterion's and talking with David and Tyler <laughs> on their on their Potemkin podcast. All, all big action movies this time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've lured you away from the art house to talk about art house director Ang Lee going all pop culture on us with Gemini Man. Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> but no, you'll, you'll see how we operate here and uh, we'll, we'll uh, hopefully have some fun. Marcus, good to get you back as well. Yes. Thank you for having me back. <laughs> for sure. I was uh, waiting for Harriet, but I'll go with <laughs> I You're mean, coming on that one already, anyway. That's, <laughs> no, that's November. You've you, yeah. got time. Award season pre-booked. <laughs> you yeah. got it. All right, let's let's get to some show notes. Let's get past this silliness. Let's get to some show notes. Um, let's see, what's going on? Uh, it's October, which means that we have our October horror series going on right now. Uh, we already talked about haunted house movies, and just this week we put out our episode covering horror scenes in non-horror movies, which was a lot of fun to talk about. Um, I wasn't but, able to be on that one. Which is unfortunate. I, can uh, I can I just name the movies that I would have said? Yes, I want to hear. Hang on, hang on. Let me well, keep going. I have to pull okay, up I'll my document. Going. Well, yes, we are doing a series of horror horror themed bonus episodes. We have three more coming. Um, one will be our commentary track for the month, which of course ties in with our horror month, which will be for Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the nineteen seventy four original uh, from mm-hmm. Toby Hooper, uh, which is going to be a lot of fun to record. Um, 
But yeah, these are fun episodes to do for sure. Brandon Peters, friend of the show, gets on all of these as well as whatever guests we can find. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of good stuff coming your way. Speaking of which, that's on iTunes along with every other episode of our podcast, which you can find it out now with Aaron and Abe on iTunes. Search for it there. Give us a rating and review. That'd be great. Thank you so much in advance. Here's my list, or just a, a general list of, of movies. Better Luck Tomorrow. When uh, when that ending comes out, I was like, whoa, this is not the movie that I expected. It's kind of horrific. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got Sin City. You know, a talking decap- or partially decapitated Benicio Del Toro, pretty amazing. Uh, you got Gone Girl, which is the one that sparked this whole entire thing of, of me and you talking about it. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when Barney uh, gets that terrible... Barney, yeah. <laughs> yeah. When he gets that terrible thing that happens to him, I was like, this is, whoa, that's a lot of blood there. Uh, you got uh, City of the Lost Children. Uh, oh, okay. And that... That one uh, spooks me out still, because um, I saw it when I was like eight or nine. And uh, you got the Hurt Locker. You know, there's just some pretty gruesome stuff in there, it's, especially one scene where he, he thinks he's he thinks he's trying to save one person that he knows, and it's actually not the person that he knows. But it's pretty it's pretty horrific. Yeah, the, the boy bomb thing. That's a yeah, that's pretty pretty terrible. Yeah, well, you 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 didn't try you didn't uh, try into any of our films that we picked for that episode. Um, there you go. And we actually did have some crossover, which I was not exactly surprised by. I was like, oh, okay, fun. Because uh, it's a pretty specific topic that you wouldn't necessarily think of everyone having the same picks for, opposed to some of the yeah. other films that we've, or topics that we covered before. But yeah, um, so yeah, our episode, uh, not horror scenes and non-horror movies, that's up on uh, iTunes and everywhere else you can find our show now. And yeah, there's a lot of really cool discussion that we had on that one. Um, let's see, what else? Um, oh, so I had just, I literally just finished watching El Camino, the Breaking Bad movie, <laughs> yeah. when I learned that Robert Forrester passed away. Like, it, like I literally, it ended, yeah. I opened my phone, and I saw he passed away. I, like, he was the face I literally had just seen. on and I were watching right. the movie Friday night, and it was like, oh, that, wow, that's that was actually kind of depressing, because I, I really like Robert Forrester, but uh, R.I.P. to the man. Um, R.I.P. Wonderful yeah. actor. Um, movies for spanning decades, all the way from, like, medium cool way back to, like, Jackie Brown, which is one of my, if not my favorite movie of all time, uh, to mm-hmm. just recently doing, like, um, what was it? What, what They Had, right? Scott, did you see What They Had last year? Yeah, What They Had is amazing, and some of his best work, uh, at least in stuff I've seen. I mean, he works, or at least worked constantly. It was kind of inevitable that one of us would be watching a Robert Forrester movie at the time that the news broke that he passed away because uh, he just never stopped. And uh, beyond bringing it every time, I think that kind of work ethic really informed work. He's always very grounded, very down to earth, just mm-hmm. a great screen presence. And yeah, I rarely get like that broken up over actors, especially old actors mm-hmm. who are dying because it's like, you know, life goes on, things happen. But he, I was generally surprised and uh, d- definitely a little, uh, a little sad about it. I, I'm exactly the same way where, yes, there's the kind of inevitability and you don't need to necessarily feel all that much about people for one thing that you don't know, but certainly might have a respect for. But yeah, that one, for some reason, just like took me aback a little bit more than the average celebrity passing. So uh, not, to, not, news? not to underplay, you know, the, the the series of deaths that happen that occur. I mean, it, it happens and it, you sure. know, there's people yeah. that are obviously at a loss or what have you. But, but yeah, regardless, uh, you know, RP out to Robert Forrester and, you know, Thoughts and prayers to his family and what have you. Yeah. Um, 186 see. titles to, yeah. uh, to Scott's oh, wow. uh, point. Yeah, he was he had like a blue collar kind of work ethic when it came to movies for sure. Like as far as like I'm just why not keep working? Like it's my job. That's the thing that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but regardless, uh, let's move on here. What else did I have to mention? Uh, oh, okay, <laughs> Marcus. Okay. Uh oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> there are three significant things I feel have happened since you've been on our podcast to you specifically. Uh, okay. One is that you got married. All right. Another yes. Another is that you put Batman v Superman on your top ten list for that year. Oh yes. <laughs> and this latest one is that you got a nose ring. Apparently. I did get a nose ring. Apparently, <laughs> I did. <laughs> it's on a non-movie related note. Yeah, I got a nose ring. Yeah. How's that going for you? Uh, it's cool. I mean, it's my. <laughs> <laughs> it, I like it, that answer. It, might, it, it hurt. It's it's uh it's a septum <laughs> piercing. In case anybody cares, mm-hmm. um it 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 hurt more than I thought it was going to, and uh, now I'm just in recovery mode. Mm. I guess it's it heals. It takes about two months to heal two before months? you can. Yeah, before you can like mess with it as far as like up t- because you can hide it and put it up and put it down. You know. I don't know. You know what I'm talking about. I'm doing yeah. hand gestures if you don't. No, I'm, oh, seeing, I figured. I'm, I'm seeing, picturing uh, this right now. Yeah, I'm seeing Bebop and Rocksteady right now. Yeah, when you put no, it up, you could... I assume it's like because you're like at a, like a, I don't know, a Rams or a Horns game or something like that. Yeah, if you, no, you, well, that's putting it, if you put it down, then you're ready to party. You know, if you put it up, then you're like, oh. You know. Oh, wow, it's like a mullet, but in the front. Yeah, yeah exactly. You're, you're hosting a dinner party. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, it's cool. I like it. I'm gonna, uh, get a, I'm, gonna get a, I'm gonna get a. I'm gonna get a. I'm gonna get a bigger. On it. <laughs> it's a thumbs up. Okay. Except for the, the 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 ten seconds where it was getting done, it was kind of bad. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of just in case you guys are. are in case for all the get... listeners who want to get a nose ring, ten seconds yeah. can be bad, but it's gonna be worth it. This show yeah. is half life advice, so that's you know very much <laughs> yeah, my concern. No. <laughs> I did get a lot of questions. Your... I did get yeah. a lot of questions regarding it because I I guess it's not. I get in my group, it's not a, a popular place to get pierced. So very interesting. Your group. Yeah. I have to go meet this group of yours. Yeah. I don't, do you have a lot of friends that have septum piercings? No, but just in general, not I'm just yet. like, you said your group. I was like, Whoa, Marcus. Yeah. Thanks no, my for group. excluding Aaron and Abe and oh. Scott. <laughs> and Scott. Sorry, Scott. Well, we're not living that Bay area life like you guys. Sorry, so. Scott. <laughs> Damn it. I always do this. <laughs> All right. Well, keep, keep us updated for sure. When we good, get when we get to school. Harriet, I want to know the update on this thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when we get to themes and stuff, I can have like little like trinkets on the end of them and stuff like that. You know, like a Black History got little Martin Luther King paraphernalia. Yeah, I can I, I can I do whatever. You know, yeah. I'm just like, I, I am glad that you won the bet. Apparently, whatever it was, that, that makes me especially happy. Let's to um, mutilate my body. Exactly. Yeah. Let's let's keep moving here. Let's get to some uh, no overbody. For each week, we nope. ask each other a question or two, try to set the tone for the podcast, or better get to no everybody. everybody. Pretty good. I got a question for you guys this week. Uh huh. When is Clive Owen gonna play M Bison? <laughs> is that is a is that a real question? Yeah. He's got, he's got, you know, he's got the I'm M Bison chin from the the NES and Super Sega Genesis games. Plus, you've seen him in a uniform in a Valerian. You're not wrong. Is you this say not you a like this is a universal experience here of us. Uh... <laughs> oh man! I, it seems like Clive Owen's certainly building up to it because there was that, and I was wondering. I asked this in our one of our questions that we'll get to in the, list, in the listener questions later on, but in, sorry, in feedback. Um, feedback, feedback, feedback. I was drinking you. some water and yeah. right away. I, you know, it seems like he's gone from being like that handsome man who everybody wanted to be James Bond to becoming like your accountant's shady uncle. Like it's, he's he's made this weird progression. Dyes his hair. <laughs> yeah. 
So yeah, uh, dictator of Shadowloo seems like the next obvious step for, for Clive Owen. I mean, it looks pretty good to me. I'm starting to warm up to it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Just put a big hat on him and some shoulder pads. Yeah, exactly. I mean, nobody can beat Raul Julia, but still. <laughs> oh, yeah. I have a question for you guys. Hit it. I have two questions, actually. What? One is about the movie. Another is a different one that I'll get to in a second. But how would you win in a fight against yourself? Oh, man. And I'm not asking in like a existential manner of like your own mind. I mean, like a literal physical copy <laughs> of yourself. Like, like to if the I'm, death? If I'm playing chess. I just said win in a fight. I'm saying, you know, a takedown of some kind. Not necessarily to the death. I think the fight would just have to be not scheduled because anything that's not scheduled in my life, I'm immediately thrown off by and uh, would be easily defeated. So as long as I walked up to myself at a time I was not expecting, I'd answer. be in good shape. You're like, this wasn't on the calendar. Yeah, exactly. That's good. <laughs> like That's like the last thing your other self would say. This wasn't on the calendar. And then you're gone. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Like, I'd be checking my phone. And be like, wait a second. No, impossible. <laughs> um... You I think they had to... something similar like that in Primer. That's why that's why Abe uh, can figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> you probably just have to knock my own glasses off, I guess. <laughs> I like, if you if you take my glasses away, I'm just not trying to do anything. Yeah, but what if you're doing like the whole entire '80s, early '90s, like Horace Grant, where it's like stuck to your head? <laughs> Good point. I didn't think of that. Good now, point. Now, you, now you've got to fight. That is a sports reference. Go sports, Steve. That's a, that's a that's a deep one. That's a deep cut. Thank you. Yeah, that was a good one. As for me, I think after about uh, thirty seconds, when we're both tired, we're just like, okay, you just you just uh, WrestleMania me. You know, put me on my back, put my leg up, and count to three. I'm done. All right. <laughs> pretty straightforward. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I have a second question. Okay. This one's more trivia that I was unaware of until Anna brought it to my attention yesterday. So I'm curious if you guys know about this as well. Are you aware that there's a rivalry between Tom Hanks and Henry Winkler? What? No. Like a f- like Happy Day style? <laughs> like from... Is this like a Twitter thing? Do you think yeah. there's a different Henry Winkler? Like you're asking <laughs> <laughs> The Fonz? Barry's Henry Winkler? <laughs> no, none of you are aware that there's a weird rivalry between those? No. Things? No. I didn't even know they knew each other. Yeah. I mean, I imagine the Booze of Buddies set was right next to Happy Days, and they probably... Sure. Now, here's, so here's the thing. Like, this is what Anna made me aware of this. Okay. They, I don't know if it's still around, if they've actually talked, but, like, apparently someone asked Henry Winkler about this on a podcast or a radio show the other day, and uh, here's where it came... Here's where, it, here's where the origins of it. Apparently, Henry Winkler was originally attached to direct Turner and Hooch, and then 13 days after filming, he was fired from Turner and Hooch. And I guess it's because of Tom Hanks. Like, I guess the reason is because, like, they were not getting along. And when asked a question about this, um, he, he, he made it short. Henry Winkler made it short. He said, I, let's just say I got along better with Hooch and not Turner. So it's like, apparently, oh, wow. there's a weird, oh, like, of all the people, it seems like two of what I assume are the nicest guys in Hollywood don't really like each other. <laughs> Yeah, I Amen. expected this was gonna be a friendly rivalry where like they kept like pranking each other, but I didn't I didn't know shit got real. I love to hear that version where Henry Winkler. I didn't like, know I didn't know that like... Henry Winkler got Eric Stoltz. <laughs> <laughs> Eric Stoltz out of directing Turner and Hooch, yes. Yeah. <laughs> no wonder he's not in that new uh Mr. Rogers movie. Yeah, that's, that's what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> <He's laughs> the mailman, but they're like, no, no, bad blood here. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's just a, like, again. Brother, I was like, I was a disbelief. It's like, really? Them? <laughs> these two, yeah. these, these two huh. menches? Like, they're, they're, these two <laughs> menches? <laughs> Is Tom Hanks also a tribe? No, but he can still be a mensch. You don't have to be All a right. Jewish to be a mensch. <laughs> On the bench, yeah. Um, well, yeah. I just wanted to pull that out because I was curious if anyone else knew. If I was just well, oblivious if to this. I was wondering, I'm Team Hanks because he's from the Bay. You don't have to be on one side or another. No, no, no we got two sides now. If anything, we want to be on the team that brings them back together. Oh, and that <laughs> was out now near the neighbors. The more you know, special. <laughs> all right, all that's out of the way. That's how you play. No, no everybody. No, everybody. I like the staggering, that was fun. Yeah, I do. All right, let's do a little out now quickies. Yep. Each yeah. weekend out now, we have one maybe the week that I talk about. Those are with quickies. Great part. See, I ramped it there. It was a I, ramp I up. saw. Yeah. Yeah. I have styles, and that was a ramp I up. Saw the, I saw the speedometer going past 50, like, in speed. There and I had to stay above it. So I, <laughs> I, I failed. My bomb is blown up at this point because I slowed down tr- tremendously. <laughs> Abe, have you, the ramp. have you seen any other movies this week? I finished Bad Boys 2. And it was... <laughs> wow. Because <laughs> last, week, last week, I, I started the first 10 minutes of it. This week, I finished it. So you watched the other so, 140. Exactly, yeah. And I, I will say that, uh, yes, yeah, what Aaron has said is true. Peak Michael Bay, a lot of explosions, a lot of, you know, it looks expensive and it looks like it's on the screen, which is great. But I, I will say that, you know, um, Martin Lawrence, I definitely see his side in this movie where he's like, dude, Mike, you're you're a loose cannon. You're, you're always getting me into trouble where I don't need to be. And you know what? I am going to put on a transfer order. And it's like, wow, I kind of really feel that he's really fed up with Mike Lowry here. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's, oh it's not God. a, comp- yeah, compared to Bad Boys, it's not as, like, I don't know, like, <laughs> the word I was going to use is, like, grounded, but. Uh, Good is the word as, like, I tend to use, but yeah, all right. What, what is the word? Good. Yeah, that's true, too. Yeah, it's, it's just not as good as Bad Boys, but um, it, it certainly is, like, if you ever want to experience Michael Bay, then yeah, definitely go and check out Bad Boys 2. So now I can't wait for Bad Boys for Life. Now I know exactly where the story goes. Even though it's not directed by Michael Bay. So. Not directed by Michael Bay. It's directed by some of his, like, are, are they even protege or are they just copycats? No, they're, uh, I mean, they're just, they're, uh, they're their own things. International filmmakers from an art house scene, it seems, or at least more of a, less of a giant blockbuster scene, but yeah, it's not new no. exactly for everybody. Now we get to joke about the whole entire, like, you got to learn the words because they, they don't even know the words in Bad Boys 2. I'm glad, yeah, what, 15 years later you're able to pick up on that joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, Scott, let's get to you. What what other movies have you seen recently? Uh, I have been definitely deep in Oscar season screening time, uh, catching up with recently some foreign language stuff. I saw Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which won the screenplay prize at Cannes, mm-hmm. uh, in which I'd heard only the best things out of that, and I have only the best things to say about it. It's about a painter in the 19th century who goes to paint the portrait of a woman who doesn't want her portrait painted because she doesn't want to get married, and I guess portraits have something to do with <laughs> marriage back then. Uh, as always, I'm trying to play catch-up with 19th century customs whenever I watch one of these movies, <laughs> and that's a new one to me. Um... And then uh, these two ladies uh, fall in love because uh, they they both uh, don't want to get uh, to the traditional life going. And uh, it's really good and really masterfully made. And uh, yeah, really highly recommend it. That was the most recent really good movie I saw, I'd say. All right. Marcus, what have you seen? Um, I saw the Breaking Bad movie, but I don't want to piss Abe off. What? No. So I'll... <laughs> I'm just kidding. 
It's all love. Um, yes. I, I... <laughs> Although I'm pretty sure, Scott, you're on the side of why do we need this, if I'm not mistaken. Uh... I'm on the side of like, I can't, I, I just, it doesn't even register as a real movie to me. It just, uh, and luckily no, Netflix but... movies already don't feel like real movies. So it's like several layers of. Uh... Did it need, but did it need to, I I am on the side where I, I think you're, you're absolutely right, but it didn't need to feel like a real movie. I, I think it felt like a two hour show. And that's all I really wanted. There you go, then. That's why it didn't register to me because I don't exactly. watch TV. Yeah. <laughs> what, what did you think? Oh, of El, what did you think of El Camino: colon, A Breaking Bad movie? Colon, oh, a Star uh, Wars story. Colon, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I thought it was great. There's, I mean, what can I say that everybody else hasn't said? Jesse Pinkman, he's the most beloved, in my opinion, most beloved character in drama in in, in HBO history. Mm-hmm. So, AMC history, AMC history. AMC. AMC history, sorry, AMC history. Um, and I enjoyed following him for two hours while he tries to figure things out, while he's evading the cops, while he's um, trying to reconcile with stuff that's that's happened while he was captured. But I can see if you haven't seen the, the show or if you have no interest in seeing the show or you really don't care about the show then it'll be totally lost but i really really enjoyed it i really enjoyed every moment of it there was another movie i did see though okay it's called uh i i don't you probably guys you probably you guys have probably already talked about it it was uh in the tall grass I no, I haven't. I've been. It's on my queue. It's the Stephen King one from it's Stephen Sti- Tolly, which I, yeah. I, I want to watch. <laughs> okay, uh, I would say don't. It, it's a, it's a, <laughs> what a I, recommendation. I, I, <laughs> okay, so so it's the one about the the it's it's two uh, siblings, a brother and sister, and they stop on the side of the road after hearing the voice of a child calling for help from a really overgrown field in the heartland of America. So it's like in the middle of nowhere, you know. And it's cool for about fifteen minutes, and then it becomes really rapey and confusing and there's an weird infant scene and it's like introducing time travel and i really like patrick wilson and he's in this but he's really trying to make this dog crap taste good because it just really isn't um and that's probably you know i had stronger feelings about this one as far as not liking this trying to figure out why it was made than I did about Breaking Bad, which is maybe more to Scott's point. Um, but yeah, don't see it if you can if you can avoid it. Got it. Watch me love this movie when I watch yeah, it. Yeah, you'll love it. You'll love it. Uh, definitely. Well, I am curious, but I mean, there's lots of other things to watch as well. Um, I've seen a few things that I'll make note mm-hmm. of. I did watch El Camino, as well. I mentioned this already with the Robert Forrester thing or what have you, but yeah, Anna and I watched this. Anna, who had not watched the show at all and only saw the three-minute recap that accompanies the Netflix production. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I watched it. I I thought it was fine. Like, in terms of Vince, Gillig- Vince Gilligan doing his thing as far as, like, crazy camera angles and style and adding suspense and moments, like, there's a number of individual scenes that I think are rather effective. I did get a sense of let's see how many people we can bring back for fun cameos or what have you that kind of got to me at times. I'm like, yeah, all right. This person pops up too. (laughs) That was fun. I didn't, I don't think it's not fun, but I do think it speaks to not necessarily the necessity, but just the 
like I know it's playing in select theaters, and I'm like, well, it's it's more like a bonus feature than anything else, and it's like that's not a that's not inherently bad. At the same time, it's just like, all right, like the legacy of this series doesn't really go on for me beyond. Like I'm more into whatever Better Call Saul is going to do. A show that I know, Marcus, you're not a fan of, even though it's much no. better. Um, but, um, I bailed. I, I bailed a long time ago. But I, it's like, all right, that's a nice supplement, essentially. Uh, like, it, like I, yes, you could phrase that as an an epilogue. I just think of it more as like a we re-released a Blu-ray set of Breaking Bad, and we included this fancy thing we shot with Aaron Paul, by the way, as well. Like that's what it really feels like to me, which is not terrible. It's just like, all right, yeah, that's fun. But I saw a number of other things. Um, I want to mention a couple of them, though, mainly because some of them are coming out way later, and I don't think I can really talk about them as of now. Um, but I will mention Honey Boy. Um, this oh. is the upcoming film. I saw that on Friday myself. Oh, cool. Yeah, I saw it on Thursday. It's the upcoming film. Written... I saw it on Wednesday. Is <laughs> <laughs> written by Shia LaBeouf based off. Oh, it's more, it's, it's kind hero. of a semi-autobiographical thing about his uh, his younger days as a as a child actor growing into being an adult. Um, mm-hmm. as, a chi- as a young child, he's played by Noah Jupe, who was starred in a what's it, uh, A Quiet Place, and the what's the Todd Haynes film, uh, Wonder. Wonder, right? What's the no, one Wonderstruck? Wonderstruck. Wonderstruck. Oh, okay. Which I was a big fan. Well, yeah. Um, and played as a, like a, tw- I guess he's twelve when he's younger, so he's twenty two ish when he's making Transformers. So it's it's uh what's Lucas Hedges, um, is the older version of, but um and then Shia LaBeouf plays his father. <laughs> there's a lot of abuse going on here and it's it's interesting to watch for sure i think it's well acted i think there is a good amount of style going on here i can't say that like i need to see it again or that it strikes me as like one of the year's best but i did enjoy the experience mainly because it just felt like shia labeouf getting a chance to kind of work stuff out in a film which i've seen in any many other kinds of films as well i mean we, we're going to talk about uh, a new Martin Scorsese film, and I've seen him kind of work out things regarding his thoughts on religion in various movies of his. So it's like it's neat to see when you have actors or filmmakers clearly going through something and using cinema as a way to deal with it. And so on that level, I appreciated it for sure. Mm. Okay, Scott, do you have anything to add on uh, Honey Boy? Uh, no, I think you pretty much rounded up. Other than like, I generally really like Shia LaBeouf and was kind of interested to see him do. Thank more directly autobiographical and stuff. I think he brings a lot of himself to a lot of his performances, and it was interesting to see him really work through all that. And then mm-hmm. also to see Lucas Hedges do a spot-on Shia LaBeouf. He does. <laughs> it's wow. it's great because he like he clearly and like the, the like they're they're not named Shia. Like it's not to that extent, right? But it's neat to even anyway. It's neat to see that's like acting. It's not an it's not like an imitation of Shia. It's like a it's a real strong interpretation. Like it's not like Lucas Hedges For looks sure. like Shia LaBeouf, but like. You know, just, not... the energy really reminded me of the Transformers era Shia LaBeouf. I completely, yeah, I completely agree. I thought wow, he does a really I'm good job capturing capturing the essence of LaBeef, as we would say. Um, LaBeef. But no, I do agree. Shia is very good in this movie. He's very good in the uh, the Peanut Butter Falcon too. So as far as I see, and he's been good for a number of years now in these like random art. It's, it's been a Shia year. It's been a good Shia year, but it's been a good yeah. Shia like couple years, I would say, regardless of. I think we've talked about this before too, when we're talking about Peanut Butter Falcon a little bit a few weeks back. But I, regardless of whatever antics he gets himself into off screen, I think on screen, certainly in some of these more recent films, he is a really good performer and he has a lot of charisma, which I think really helps. And that's, I think why it helped him get to, you know, early fame to begin with. I think people tend to like him, which speaks to why it shows, it shows in the performance. But uh, but yeah, that's honey boy, which I think opens early November, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the limited release. 
Um, and I also wanted to mention Parasite, which saw a while back at this point, but it's oh, I, I couldn't tell from your Twitter that you wanted to mention Parasite. Uh, yeah, right. Um, it just finally <laughs> came out in limited release, and it made a good whopping amount of money on the four screens it showed on. But it's going to spread wider in the weeks to come, and it's awesome. It's like it's the best. <laughs> it's so <laughs> I, I, you know, if you can find it, go see it because it rules. Um, yeah, duly noted. Yeah, better than Joker. <laughs> it does everything Joker <laughs> does better. Literally, like it's, it has the same kind of themes going for it. Better than Va- Batman versus Superman. We we got to give that as a segment on the show. Marcus's mm-hmm segment. <laughs> I, I wait to make the gif of this when he pops in his head. <laughs> All right, that was enough quickies. Yep. Let's move on now. Let's get to some trailer talk where we talk about one of the newest movie trailers of the week, when it's coming out, what we thought of it, and what have you. And as I alluded to, we're talking about The Irishman this week. This is the upcoming Martin Scorsese crime epic. Epic seems about right because the film is a whopping 209 minutes. It stars Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, Joe Pesci out of retirement, and Harvey Keitel. So a few guys that know a thing or two about how Martin Scorsese works. And Al Pacino because why not? Uh, the film goes over... <sighs> The story of a hitman who may or may not have been involved in the death of Jimmy Hoffa. Um, that's the best I can say on a just purely basic plot level. With all that in mind, what did you think of the trailer? Marcus, we'll start with you. I like this one. I it, This is the, the newest one, right? The one with Ray Romano? I, yes, I the, yes. It's both, yeah, that's, I, I mean, I was going to say his name first because why not? <laughs> of but, course. Yeah. Starring Ray Romano. Mm-hmm. Co-starring Joe Pesci and De Niro. Um yeah, I really, I really enjoyed this this trailer a lot more uh, than the than than the ones I had seen in the past. I think it bookend really well with the <clears throat> two Ray Romano scenes. Not to pound Ray Romano into the ground, but um, I really enjoyed it. it. It gave me a, I think it gave me a better look on what I'm gonna be seeing. Um, but I, you know, I got five minutes or three minutes of a three and a half hour movie, so I'm sure it's gonna be fantastic. I'm going to go see it regardless of what I saw in the trailer. So, yeah. Scott, right. how about you? Where are you with The Irishman? Uh, I mean, I can't wait for the movie, obviously. I was not too into the trailer. I think it kind of tried to hype it up as like an action-style movie, when by all accounts it really isn't. Uh, it's an understandable tack to take, but it just kind of, especially with the Netflix logo popping up, it just kind of made it feel like a TV movie gathering all your favorite actors together. Uh, and I, I uh, But it... On the positive end, I will say that uh, the CGI faces that people keep uh, bemoaning, the de-aging, I think it looks fine. Like, it's a little distracting, but, you know, so is aging makeup. At a certain point, you know, you just got to accept that that's what they're doing. Um, So I'm still pumped for the movie. I think De Niro looks great in it. Uh, Happy to see Pesci back. Yeah, it really wasn't uh, huge on the trailer per se, but, I mean, I'm definitely going to watch this. I mean, especially now that I've heard some buzz around it, but... Who isn't going to watch a Martin Scorsese movie, right? I mean, you mentioned the runtime. Based off silence, people... most of America. <laughs> well, I was, I was going to say, like, you know, silence, silence definitely has, like, some pros and cons. But on the whole, it's like, this is actually a really thought-provoking movie as to you know, something like, uh, what was the one with Willem Dafoe that he made? I forget the, the title. Christ. Christ. Yes, thank you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Where it's like, hey, you know, he's exploring different topics, and I'm, I'm all for it. But as far as, like, the runtime goes... If you haven't seen like Martin Scorsese make like a, a long, super long movie before, uh, you're missing out on some of the best movies that that have ever been on the screen. Yeah, I mean, there's not much disagreement here. The trailer can be here nor there because it's a new Martin Scorsese movie with this cast. Um, 
I mean, even just saying a new Martin Scorsese movie is going to get me excited. Um, but it does have this cast, and it does have what seems like an energy that, regardless of what kind of content you have, whether because I, 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 I agree it's not going to be like an action movie, obviously, but it does have what would appear to be expert editing on the part of Thomas Schumacher to make a movie that's completely compelling for all 209 minutes of the story. Add to that, just, yeah, the, the the novelty alone of getting Pesci back in a movie where he's palling around with De Niro, that makes me very excited. And mm-hmm. if it lets all of these guys be very good in a movie again, um, I'm all for that as well. Uh, sure. I've, I, I recently saw Hoffa, the, um, the uh, Danny DeVito-directed version with Jack Nicholson, as Jimmy Hoffa, which is not a great movie. So um, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing a, a better story, uh, version of this story uh, from a different perspective, what have you. And yeah, there's like a ton of people. I mean, it's a big Martin Scorsese. There's a ton of people in this thing. So there's a lot I'm looking forward to in just all regards on this one. Um, but yeah, Irishman, it hits. Uh, and yeah, the, and as, far as, sorry, as far as the de-aging goes, I agree. It looks fine as far as, I mean... Yeah, these guys aren't this age, and this is the kind of the tools that we have. I like seeing Scorsese challenge himself by using certain kinds of technology, which is part of why I like Hugo so much. It's like I mean, if you make one of the best 3D movies ever, maybe he'll uh, use de aging at its best. I'd like to hope so. I just sometimes you can't get around a seventy year old body for a forty five year old man, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Sorry about that, Lawrence Fishburne. We'll see. It has. It could have Lawrence Fishburne syndrome, as we know from Ant Man <laughs> and the Wasp, where you can de age Lawrence Fishburne all you want. He doesn't look like he did in the nineties. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Um, all right. The Irishman hits net. Sorry, it hits theatrically um, in limited release on November first, and then hits Netflix on November twenty seventh. So right in time for Thanksgiving. You just Perfect put it family. on. You know, yeah. you Perfect get, family movie. <laughs> you, get a, you get a plate together. You, you sit, Everybody sits down. They, 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 they let it go. <laughs> you also uh, double feature that with Black Mass. You know. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> like if Krampus is coming to town, yeah, you put on Black Mass if that's what you want to watch. Oh, Krampus. Underrated. I meant the actual Krampus, you know, the one that oh, exists in oh, reality that, that, we all, that we all know. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's punishing you. That's the, that's the point of this. Got it. This black mask is not good. That's 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 what I'm saying. <laughs> accents, though. You know, hashtag accents. Yeah. Let's get to our main review. <laughs> let's, let's talk about it for Gemini Man. How'd he start you? Hunting, birds, rabbit? I'm guessing 19... 20 years old, the first time he ordered you to shoot a person. 25 years ago, he took my blood. He made you from me. He's been lying to you the whole time. He told you you were an orphan. And of all the people in the world to come after me, why would he send you? I'm the best. You are obviously not the best. You're just trying to rattle me. I'm trying to save you! That should have been some of the trailer for Gemini Man. With two directing Oscars and seemingly all of the filmmaking techniques at his disposal, Ang Lee continues in his pursuit for cinematic realism through the use of -of state-of-the-art technology. This time around, he has taken on the story of an aging hitman played by Will Smith, who's forced to go on the run from a government that has betrayed him. The twist is, in order to take out Smith's character, they've sent a younger clone of him to handle the job. Produced by Jerry Bruckheimer, based on a story that's been in development for nearly 20 years, Lee has chosen to apply the 3D and 120 frames per second format that he went with for Billy Lynn's halftime walk. Scott, I'm going to start with you. What do you think of Lee's choice in this presentation for the film, and what do you think of the film itself? I can answer both questions uh, by saying that 
uh, within, I'd say past like the first action scene, which is, I think, pretty gripping. Uh, pretty much as soon as Will Smith starts to pack with his rifle, two like simultaneous thoughts just kept occurring to me. One is that I was enjoying the movie and the format very much uh, intertwined for the same reasons that uh, it just didn't look like any movie I'd seen before, including Billy Lynn. I think it's using the frame rate to a very different end. Everything really seems like hyper real. It doesn't seem realistic at all, which is fine. And Lee's whole pace to the movie is incredibly relaxed. Uh, it's a wonder he even bothered to throw in any tension in that first scene because Will Smith is just too good at his job. He's the best who's ever been a guy who does horrible things. Um, <laughs> and so it's, he just seems so relaxed and that any tension comes from him. And if he's not feeling tense, then the film won't either. And the, for the first like 20 minutes, it's just a lot of very languid dialogue scenes mm-hmm. in which people move at strange paces because of the frame rate. And I found it strangely captivating. I think there's a certain magic to that frame rate that Lee taps into the way Mary Elizabeth Winston's hair blows in the wind or the way the waves form or then the first like big action scene in the movie. There's this guy who's like throwing a fish net kind of in a, it's a very minor detail. It has nothing to do with the action scene itself, but all these small things I was just so captivated by. And at the same time, I realized that there's almost no forward momentum in the movie at all. So unless you're tapped into that, like weird hyper real angle of the film, I can certainly understand why, uh, anybody perhaps even somebody's on this podcast i'll soon find out uh might not be as into the movie uh but me i was completely captivated from the start and really won over by it all right marcus where are you at with how this film was presented and the film itself i'm kind of on the same level as as scott i I didn't like it as much as him but i think what angley does he he with 80 percent of what angley has control of he does very well like the the look looks really fantastic there's like an underwater sequence that is better like technically better than anything i've seen like for a long time i don't i don't even know how to explain it It sounds really dumb but it works really well um the 3d in this film works really well which i hate admitting um (laughs) you know but if you didn't pay for the $20 ticket, maybe you miss out on all these effects. Anyway, what I don't think works, and this is more to touch on what Scott was saying as well, is I think the story is really stiff. And they don't really – it doesn't seem like anybody really cares about the story. They try to add this these 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 kind of like cosmic spiritual themes like uh, this automated versus non-automation stuff onto it. But it – all those elements seem like you're just poking this story with a stick trying to make it come back to life. But if you just focus on the 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 how crisp it looks and how great the action sequences are, they're really fantastic here. You probably have a good time. We're probably going to talk about the face stuff later, but I didn't here's a, real quick, I didn't really love it when he was slowed down. Or when he, it's in daytime. Other than that, when he's doing the action stuff, the the what's it? I guess we're gonna refer to as de aging. The young Will Smith face works for me. If it's in the dark, there's a couple scenes where he's in the dark. The young Will Smith face works. When it's there's a five minute sequence in this thing that's totally in the daylight that looks regrettable. And I just 
uh, I don't know. But the, again, there's a lot of things I liked in this. I love Will Smith. I liked what Ang Lee did for the most part. The story is just blah. And the some of the Will Smith young stuff is kind of cringy. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm really flip-flopping around on my, my review. But I did kind of like <laughs> it. I did kind of like it. You're you're not alone. And in that's this. okay. You're not alone in this because in the I'll go, to get very specific in the I'm submitting this to Rotten Tomatoes part of the whole review process. I was I, I was on two sides of this. Wait, I'm did like, you guys hear that? Did you guys hear that mic drop? <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> in terms of selecting the fresher rotten option, ultimately I went rotten, but it's not because I disliked the experience. It's just more ultimately, it feels like a stepping stone, like we've said in other films before, to getting to better uses of this technology where yes. I really I really admire what Lee is doing in this film and I really think Will Smith does a tremendous job actually I think he does great as far as playing both roles because the movie doesn't ask a lot of its kind of story or character but I do think Will Smith gets the chance to really dig into it which is part of what I think he was interested in as far as being an older actor at this point, I mean, he's 50, he's not super old but like being older than he was and playing into the idea of what if, you know a new thing comes along. I think there's some interesting themes to go with there, which is kind of neat just because this is a movie about clones and there's like no discussion about the idea of cloning any, like there's no, like it, it's not like yeah. the sixth day of Schwarzenegger, which was also kind of like whatever, but it's like, that's a movie that's like, we should really take time to talk about the morality of cloning people. This movie's like, you know, we, we have clones now. Like they didn't really pay any attention <laughs> to that fact, which is kind of neat to me, but I do like the more overall theme of like, what if there was a younger version of you that's state of the art and made with the latest and greatest and can take out all the flaws or whatnot. There's some interesting stuff to think about as far as how movie stars are concerned and what have you in the relation to that with a story of an assassin of all things. Um, from a, on a technical level, and it, you can't, it's hard to separate that because obviously... Ang Lee's made this movie with a very specific kind of thing in mind. He's making it with the 120 frames per second. He's making it in 3D. And because of that, because and by having like, you know, a heavy amount of visual effects to make the Will the younger Will Smith character possible, using that format means you're gonna see every inch of this, so it has to look really good. And I th I disagree with you, Mark. I do think the young Will Smith character, Junior, I think he looks pretty flawless. I mean it's not even in the daylight. I, I yes, I didn't find oh. myself I didn't find myself thinking, well, they could have done a better job here or whatnot, and I'm sure like James Cameron I, will do whatever he does in Avatar two to really It was just it unfortunate I, that I, they had to show it. I don't sure. I don't I don't quite go that far. I do think it okay. it looks very and to be just to clarify for anyone that's Here's how this Will Smith thing happened. It's not a simple. It's not like Marvel's de aging where they put like a few makeup thing and then whatever. This is more like Planet of the Apes, those recent Planet of the Apes movies where they made a yeah. digital version of Will Smith, and it's that it just happens to be human instead of a Navi or an ape or what have you. They use the right. same kind of motion capture technology, and I think it looks pretty great. But in terms of the experience, much like Scott, you were saying the just watching this movie in motion that's the movie you're watching in itself. Like it's not, mm -hmm. the story is kind of after the fact here, which shows because the story is like 20 years old and you can tell it feels like a nineties Jerry Bruckheimer movie with the except with the exception of not having like a bevy of character actors and comedic relief and what have you. Instead, you just have Benedict Wong and Mary Elizabeth Winstead and that's fine. They're good in the movie, but there's no like, there's no Buscemi's running around. There's no Pantaleano's. There's not a, like, there's not a lot of like people you find like enemy of the state or con air where it's like, look at all these crazy actors that they got in this movie. There's none of that. It's like a it's like a five-person movie, which I think uh -huh. is a bit of a shame. It'd be more fun if there were more people. But I get it at the same time because he's using all this technology. He has to, he wants you to be in this world, and he doesn't want to clutter it too much. So I 
I like that. I, I, I'm still not super jazzed about the frames per second thing. Like, it still hasn't worked for me entirely in the way that I think it could be used, but I'm never not interested in what's on screen. And I do think that's important. If you're going to watch this movie, it's less about, like, how deep the characters are or how complex the story is and more about what's this world like. And sure. that's the that's the struggle that I have, where Ang Lee making cinematic realism through this kind of frame... I'm trying to understand how much cinema I'm really seeing here. Is it something that I can grasp onto because of visually what I'm seeing in the moment and how real that is? Or am I, is, it, is, it, is it betraying that? Is it taking that out because of how real it is? There's, it's a struggle that I'm having here where I, I'm, just, I'm not quite sold on it as of yet, but I, I can't say that I wasn't interested in watching it. But Abe, how about you? Where are you at with this movie? Yeah, where I am is, uh, it sounds like we're all sort of like treading in the same part of the pool. Um, because while I... I thought that the, the visuals were, were pretty amazing. I, I thought that there was just so much on the screen that I was trying to pay attention to. And to speak to your point about the, the digital face that they've made here, they have Will Smith acting as both roles, right? Yes. Um, and then they basically just took archival footage from like him at 23 and, and younger Will Smith and made another Will Smith face. Like They didn't like, really de-age it. They just like used Fresh Prince of Bel-Air stuff. And as I was watching the movie, I was super captivated. Scott, I, I like the way that you, you described it. It's like I really just couldn't take my eyes off the screen kind of thing. I kept on trying to find out, like, hey, well, they missed this and they missed that. I agree with Marcus that during the daylight, it did look a little weird. But um, all the other scenes, I was like, this is amazing. Like, this is great. And to have, like, the, the 4K 120 frames per second, I don't know. I don't, my theater definitely didn't play it at 120. Um, yeah, but there's only, to have there's the, only 14 theaters in 14, the world yeah. that can play it that, that way. That can play 4K 120, but still, but it's like, all, it's still 60 frames per second. Which is, it's not but nothing. even that, where it's like, hey, you know, I want you guys to see it in 4K, which most theaters play in 2K anyway. Uh, 4K at 120 frames per second. That's how much like confidence I have in how well, how good this looks. I was like, that's a bold move, you know what I mean? And it looks really, really good. I, I would say that you can't even really see like some parts where non-real face Will Smith is there. Um, it's it's pretty amazing. It's pretty stellar. As far as the story goes. Yeah, it's like it's dumb and it's fun and it, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. And to be honest, like some of the science, I agree with you, Aaron. It's like that's not really how cloning works. Like cloning doesn't make you exactly the same person with the same skills. It's like, you know, it's, when you clone something, they look exactly the same, but they, they can act and behave differently. It's kind of like a nature versus nurture type thing. I don't, every, um, I don't know. Every time I throw a grenade into the mirror, I'm like, I could completely deflect that if I needed to. That's, that's That was funny. hilarious. Those are great. Yeah, But <laughs> to Scott's sense. point. I, yeah, I think I, th I think that uh, the first like action sequence, and maybe even until like the um, well, the bike chase is the first action sequence. But there's there's like the yeah the the um, catacombs part. Yeah, those are those are fun action sequences to see. The 3D is pretty decent. Some of these, the the way that they feature light in in some of these sequences is pretty clever. So a lot of like thought went into some of the choreography, which does make it a fun thing to watch. But yeah, it's it it's a video game movie to be honest. Like. Ben Edwin is only there to show up to give you a ride to places. Um, <laughs> he's a great NPC, he, that's for sure. Yeah, exactly. He's a great NPC. <laughs> he, he's like he's like uh, Drake's uh, buddy. Um, yeah, he's Sully. He's the Sully he's of Gemini. Sully, yeah. <laughs> he literally has a car, a plane, guns for you. He'll show up whenever, and he has like clever lines and a cigar. Uh, 
And it, that's right. He shows up as a, with a cigar first. And a bird, um, which the movie honestly could have used more say, of. And a toucan. Let's yeah, not toucan. forget. We could have oh, used yeah, more of that right. toucan. Right. <laughs> For sure. Like, but I wouldn't have been confused if whether, whether to rate this fresh or rotten if I had more of the toucan in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> At first, I was like, what is that? And I was like, is that also 3D or is that also, like, not real? Um, but I, I think that the movie is technically amazing. Uh, but the movie itself, like with the right audience, and I think I had the right audience, we had laughed a lot because there's like ridiculous lines in here, but it was never really boring. It didn't really slow me down. Yes, when I think about it and when I'm logically like thinking to myself, how does this work or, or why is there not more ethical things that are coming up in this movie? Um, you know, sort of the way that I and this guy might have ethical questions about is drone warfare even worth it? You know, how much does it play on a person? Yeah, there, there's never anything where like Clive Owen's like, you know, maybe I shouldn't have done this, and maybe this is all bad. But Clive Owen, he's, he's he a, wears uh, all black. Like every <laughs> his his Tesla is black. He walks in the scenes wearing new yeah. black jackets. Every fr- he's so like the epitome of like corporate bad guy. Like every one of his lines when he walks. This is into, why he's M Bison. When he walks <laughs> into the first scene, he's like, clearly you haven't cleaned up the mess that you made for yourself. It's like okay, Junior. Yeah. Uh, Clive again. Owen seems less present in this movie than the digital Will Smith. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, but, it's yeah, a cheap around. line, but it's kind of true. Like there's that scene between the two of them where like he's patching up young Will Smith's wounds. And, yeah. like, young Will Smith is, like, bringing it. Yeah. And Clive Owen is just has so divorced himself from trying to <laughs> sell this movie. But what I love about that scene is the line that he uses. I was like, is that really what he's going to feed him? Do you want some cereal? <laughs> 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 so that stuff like that where it's like, this is, like, oddly funny. Like, oh, we're going to go to hunger. What are we going to find there? Hungarians. <laughs> Not to get too far into the ending, but there, like as far as Clive Owen goes, there is a point where he just kind of like walks into a room to kind of be like, "Well, I guess this is where we are now, huh, guys?" It's, like, yeah, it's, it's, just, time, it, it's so. It, there's a real after the fact thought. It seems to a story that's again been drifting around Hollywood right. for a good twenty years, and they just wanted to let the technology catch up. And I get that, but at the same time, it's like nobody did like much of an upgrade as far as the scripts on the, on the story. This would have yeah. been a, like a better movie if like Clive Owen was like Will Smith's number one fan and he heard that Smith was retiring and he came up with this thing to make an army of Will Smith so they could work forever. Army that would have been Smith a good story. Like a fun I mean, movie they right they sort of touch on that too. Uh, but, but to round it out, it's it's essentially like, hey, I, I thought that the visual spectacle was, it kept me, my eyes on the screen. As far as the story goes, it wasn't all there, but I didn't have like a terrible time. Like I wasn't groaning and, and sitting in my seat slumping. You know what I mean? So for sure. overall, like it was, it was engaging enough. And again, I think that this technology is great. I, I thought that they were just going to keep it to the dark. And then there's a part where uh, young Will Smith is like eating ice cream, watching the, the, the stuff they keep on his face for a while. And I was like, I can't even see like, you know, it, it looks great here. Like well, the only times where it wants yeah. to show you how effective this can exactly. be. And I, and I admire that. Like, it, like there's there, when you have slow motion shots in the middle of the daylight, which is just really fucking cool, by the way. There's that motorcycle shot, and it's like, oh, cool. Uh, but, like, you have to... Everything needs to be right for this kind of thing to work, which includes the set design as well. Like, you can't... If you're using 120 frames in 3D, you can't, you know, half-ass it. You have to make, like, real locations work. You have to make costumes and whatnot not feel, like, you know, cheaply made or whatever. You have to have the actors wearing less makeup. Like, all of that has to be very precise. And that is something I really like about what Ang Lee's been doing here. I mean his choices since um what was before life of pi was it taking woodstock i mean like this he he's really gone out on a limb to make 
movies that are very technically proficient at this point. And I like right. Life of Pi quite a bit. And Billy Lynn, I was less on, although I did like the, I thought the one, the frame, the, the 120 frames applied more to that film as far as getting you into the head of the character. I was going to uh, say that too. Compared to this movie, but like, I was the most comfortable I've been watching it in this format yet, where the Hobbit right. films just did not do anything for me with this. I, I do think this feels like the best escalation from how an audience member can be com- sit, sitting comfortably watching this kind of reality take place in front of you. Like that's right. something I, yeah, I, for sure. I admire and, that. Yeah. Yeah. And in that first action scene in Columbia, I mean, there's parts where it seems like it's almost behind the scenes material. Right. It has that kind of quality to it where mm-hmm. Will Smith's like running through it and there's explosions going off. And you're like, this is part of an actual movie and it has a whole right. texture to it that is unusual. But at the same time, like, as relaxed as the beginning of the movie is, uh, Ang Lee really brings it in those action scenes. I mean, that scene and then the Catacombs fight are really sharply directed yeah. and they have <laughs> all the right beats in place. Uh, they just happen to take place in this, like, like I said, really more hyper-real to me than than photo-real, but it still, I really felt more like I was in Colombia than I have with a lot of like on-location shooting, certainly more than like Spider-Man Far From Home and all the European locations. Those always felt a little bit stagey to me. Uh, here, agree. it's like I, I kept thinking, like I'm just in Atlanta most of the time. Like, that's... yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, here, you know, you really feel like you're in Colombia, and you really feel like this is happening, and that the people walking by could be in danger because they feel like real people. That that toucan could come out and peck me in the face. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I'd I'd also like to add that it's um, uh, the 3D stuff. Uh, I think the 3D really helped out with my frames per second because I didn't really feel like it was like 60 frames per second. Uh-huh. It still felt like it was higher, but I think that the 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 darkness of the glasses and also just the effect of itself, um, it really didn't make it feel like it was like even 48 uh, like The Hobbit. So it's weird because I like I'm not a huge fan of high frame rates, but at the same time, what he's doing here, it's like. It's pretty cool. So uh, the way that you framed it, Scott, of just it felt like it was behind the scenes actions. Like when he throws a grenade back and you see it it explode and it just looks like, yeah, totally. I'm waiting for somebody to say action. And <laughs> it's it's pretty cool. It's a unique state to be like, it's a weird that like, because obviously judging this movie and I, you know, I, I'm happy that all of us saw it in this format or at least a version of this format as opposed to just seeing it straight 2D, 24 frames, because it's like that's not the movie that Ang Lee made. Like, it's a little right, yeah, different. Yeah, I disagree. Right. And so it's, I mean, obviously you can assess it any way you want to in the same way that you can assess watching, I don't know, Dunkirk on your Apple Watch, but it's like... You can do that? There, you, I mean, it's, I'm saying it's possible. So it's like, oh, if, wow. you, if you can do that, you, you can only go so far as far as how you assess the film that's not really shown the way that it's meant to be. Exactly. So yeah, it's, right. I, I don't know what one gets out of watching this movie strictly in, you know, 2d on a tv somewhere it's like that's not going to be the same thing and so in much like the way that you know nolan or cameron or even bay like the way they're doing things they make movies that are designed to be seen on a big screen and like this one i i just i wish there was a better movie to go with all of the work that's went in here but i again like i think the thing we're all emphasizing is there's there's nothing that's boring about this movie necessarily or at least not uninteresting when you're watching stuff happen like there's a weird scene where everyone's just in a like a robe in a spa and they're just like kind of hanging out and talking <laughs> super and I, casual but i couldn't get enough of that scene because it's just so like like one person walks out like will smith walks out in a robe then benedict Wong and mary elizabeth would join and then the like the russian guy is like 
Oh, so they're all just in robes in this scene. Like this. Not is, only that, but they're also weird... eating breakfast. Yeah, they're eating breakfast, and it's just so casual. And yeah, like... see, I like that the movie has room for that. That's kind of like a very thin premise that you can kind of hang whatever you want on it. And yeah, it'd be easy to see a '90s version of this that has kind of more jokes and bigger cast. Yeah. Uh-huh. But I liked how stripped down it was that Ang Lee just made all this space to just kind of hang out in the midst of a kind of absurd high concept premise. Yeah. Um, and it really feels like he saw in this movie a chance to take a lot of money and use it to this end and kind of made the movie around that. And it's kind of an old school auteurist thing to do of taking this like genre premise and taking the studio resources and get kind of getting away with it. And I really got the sense that he, he there's kind of a reflexive quality to it where he's, you know, testing it wherever he can and just trying to do whatever he can. He talked about this in an interview where he's getting older and he doesn't have the time to fully develop the technology, you know, the oh. way a younger director might. So he's going to do it as fast and efficiently and fully as he can with what he's got. And I, there's I something kind of winning that, about you know. that easygoing quality to it. Yeah. So how, and also, how, if you think, oh, sorry, Marcus, just very quickly on that scene. Yeah, if you think more about it, I mean, it also serves as like, hey, this is very open space and. Um, I can see a lot of different angles here. That so it's not just like a setting of them being at like some Roman spa or whatever the case is, or some Russian spa. Yeah, every 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 uh, location made is one that emphasizes the fact that this is a it's designed to be a 3D movie, one where you can see the depth yeah. of, spa- of of space and everything. Marcus, what are you going to say? Sorry. No, no, no. I was going to say I was going to ask how much did this make. Oh, was, it, it, a, it did very, not do very little. Well. It made twenty million in its opening oh, weekend. Which, 20? Oh, wow! Yeah, which for a you know a movie starring Will Smith, you know yeah. you tend to go a little bit higher. Um, sure. And the movie costs around one hundred and forty million to make. You know, not counting marketing, so not sure. looking too high. I mean, there's you know internationally, we'll probably hit a little bit bigger. But even then, you know, if you're not making money domestic with the place. biggest movie star in the world, not, right. you know, not in the best of places. Weirdly, the Adams family came in second with thirty million this weekend. Like really? we talked hey, about this release on the same weekend. We talked about this trailer, Abe. It I know did, we did. It does not look like a good movie, and by all accounts, it's not really a good movie. At the same time, apparently, the Adams brand super big draw for sells. Super families. Um, regardless, this movie. Yeah. Um, Question for to, you guys. Well, let me let me, let me point yeah. one thing out real quick. Speaking to not just that robe scene, but just like the nature of how casual some of it is. I mean, the things that are going on in that movie show how much of a heart it has, which I also kind of yeah. admire about this movie. There is a, as opposed to being a full-throated action movie from the, you know, more stereotypical Jerry Bruckheimer frame, there's a lot of, like, not necessarily depth, but there's certainly, like, an appreciation that Will Smith seems to have and Angley seems to have for the story they're trying to tell, however trite a lot of the parts are. Sure. It does seem like yeah. it, it has something going for it. It has something in there that they're trying to speak to. Um, I did want to get to that because mm-hmm. a lot of yeah. like the simplicity of the stuff I'm focusing on is, I think, to somewhat of a larger point of the movie where there's a part late in the film where uh, Junior talks about it. He's like, what, should I go be a doctor or something? And, Will, and the older Will Smith is like, how about being a father? And it's just like right. that seems to be what he really misses in life. He didn't wish he like wasn't an assassin. He wishes he was just a regular guy and could enjoy more simple pleasures in life. And I think. I mean, without like giving away the ending of it, I think there is a way it wraps that up in a very kind of sweet way. And I I do think that we talked earlier about Clive Owen's role and like maybe he would have been better as like a fan of Will Smith's character. But I think the fatherhood element of it is kind of key where he feels a Lee thing for sure. Very much. uh, Yeah, for sure. And Clive Owen seems to feel like some ownership over 
the older Will Smith. So when the older Will sure. Smith retires or even anticipating his re- retirement, he feels like a distance from that. And his desire to create a new son out of that environment is kind of this undercurrent of darkness that runs through the film. Uh, I think, like I said, by the end, I think they wrapped it up really well and in a, a kind of surprisingly sweet way for as silly as I expected this movie to be. Speaking of that, I do think I want to emphasize how much Will Smith, I think, is very good in this movie. Yeah, for like, sure. There's a, sure. There's a scene where he has to, like, really yell at the younger Will Smith. It's in that catacomb sequence where he has to, like, really yell at all the things that basically he's thinking of himself and putting it onto Junior. And it's like, this is the same Will Smith that, you know, got two Oscar nominations. Like, I get, like, he, in addition to being a generally very likable, you know, one of the most charismatic movie stars ever. Like, right. there's, there is something there that makes him a qualified actor to be this kind in this kind of position where he's a movie star actor, but he can also really emote, really create the pathos required or whatever. Like, there's a lot there. And I do think as, you know, as much of a junkie action movie as this could be in the hands of somebody else, I do think the actor makes it makes the most out of it which is commendable and and i think that to that point that's what really makes the movie more compelling is like you could have had will smith not really giving a crap about this movie and not really giving a crap about it it's like hey i'm here for the technology and i'm really just i'm here for the paycheck as well but because he adds those layers to junior and to uh adult will smith henry um (laughs) it it actually adds like additional (laughs) nuance yeah hank uh hank scorpio um but um (laughs) That's what makes it fun to watch, too. It's like, hey, you know, he's doing these things. And I, I love how you guys brought up that theme of, of the fatherhood thing because um, I didn't really think about it until what you guys said. And is that really a, an Ang Lee thing? I feel like I've been missing out on all this stuff. I mean, it's not as it's not like it's not a Spielberg thing where it's like fathers are hugely important and everything. But I do think sure. there's a you know, you can look at like Hulk, for example. I mean, there are a number of his films. I mean, Hulk just jumps to mind because it's so obvious, sure. with, and it's also similarly sci-fi and weird and stuff. Uh-huh. Um, but there's something, yeah, there's something about kind of a parental connection or what have you. Uh, what's it? Uh, the Ice Storm has some of that going on as well. There's like, yeah, and I th- also think surrogate fathers like Billy Lynn's long halftime walk. Yeah, yeah, a lot yeah. of that yeah. is uh, Billy Lynn like feeling betrayed by so many of the older men who are supposed to be watching over him. Yeah. So question for you guys, uh, in terms of the, the high frame rates, I mean, where do you guys see it sort of coming into play in the near future? I mean, we've all said that I think we all are on the same page that maybe Bill Lynn used it better for the action sequences in war. Um, this one hit or miss sometimes. But how do you guys envision this sort of being taken over into other properties? I, I like this one. I like the directions heading off of this mm-hmm. one where it's kind of focused on the action sequences and the the scope of lot like being on location i i i really enjoy that if that's where it's going then this kind of national geographic style action stuff then then i'm all about it Mm. and heading away from stuff like the hobbit like i wasn't that was kind of annoying right yeah, I'll be definitely interested to see what James Cameron does with it, uh, right. because he's throwing obviously so much money at the effects and all that. And I think the 3D, I mean, I've always kind of enjoyed 3D. I tend to like 3D, I think, more than most people. Um, mm-hmm. But I do think it looks better in a higher frame rate. Even The Hobbit, as messy as the frame rate there was, I think the 3D tends to be a little bit more convincing, a little less uh, jarring. Uh, but maybe it also has to do with the fact that Ang Lee is just a much better filmmaker than a lot of filmmakers who've been interested in using yeah. 3D. Uh, so he's really given a lot of consideration. I know Cameron will too. 
Uh, but yeah, I also there's a documentary out this year, and I can't remember what it's called. But it's about like water or something. Oh, aqua, aquarella, aqua, something like that. Yeah, and I think that was shot in like 60 frames per second yeah, too. Yeah. So I can yes. totally see it being used for these kind of like big screen documentaries. Maybe a Disney Nature thing will use it too. If they made Free Solo of... in like 120 frames per second, yeah, like, right? there are people that have like literally died watching that movie. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I, I do hope more uh, big budget narrative films can use it or even small budget. Maybe it'll be a thing where eventually this will all be on our iPhones and it'll be a cinch to shoot. It'll just be a pain to project, I oh, guess. Wow. Um, yeah, when, um, but Vim, when Vim Vendors makes Pina 2, uh, yeah, right. you can use that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I don't disagree with you uh, as far as Cameron's basically my last hope on this thing where I'm sure it, if it if filmmakers wanted to use it more they'd probably use it more by now so i just think there's a lot of like different kinds of tests they're doing or what have you and experimentation going on and we've only seen so many actual uses of it happen in the, on a big screen and i right. and given that cameron is basically one of the best action filmmakers out there if not the best i mean <laughs> i just i have i'm putting a lot of marbles in him doing something with it that finally makes me be like okay great this is what i'm supposed to feel out of this it's not detracting from what lee's doing because i do think he's doing a lot with it that works in the moment i just i the kind of observation that i have while watching this format it's always a mix of i can both admire what this is doing but i'm also very in the know that it's happening like i never feel completely absorbed by the film because of how aware i am that it's manipulating me because of the frame rate if that makes sense okay it's interesting do you have another question, Abe? I do have another question for you guys. It's uh, along just the other technical things of it. I mean, you know, we, we talked about the, the three effects, but does that sort of distract from cinematography? Does that similar sort of distract from, you know, like the scene that I think about is a, a, a mini boss battle sequence when she, uh, Will Smith and Mary Elizabeth Winstead are, are running through a convenience store and there's like mm-hmm. explosions and glass blown up. But there were other parts of this movie that I thought were beautifully shot, um, but when you're playing with 3D, it feels as though you're trying to go for some, I don't want to say cheap effects, but you're trying to go for some effect stuff. You're trying to make it worth your while. But does that sort of distract from what Ang Lee was trying to do? I think Ang Lee does it well. I think if you, you can you can make these things uh, mesh really well, and I think he, he does it really well. I, I've seen it. I know what you're ta- trying to say. Uh, the 3D can come off as some kind of chintzy afterthought as uh, to 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 what I'm trying to see, but Ang Lee paired them really well. Everything, all the 3D effects, I'm telling you, I, I'm not a really big fan of 3D. All the 3D right. effects for me worked really well, like in the way that I think Ang was m- meant for them to work. Yeah, and we talked about the underwater. There's a couple underwater shots oh, yeah. in the film that are really stunning because he yeah. captures. The person's full body just floating in the middle of the water mm-hmm. and I, I really i noticed this back when uh piranha 3d came out but underwater photography and 3d good combination because you can just get people literally floating in the middle of the theater and it's uh pretty stunning to see and even like the small stuff that usually goes wrong with 3d like the close-ups i was really convinced by here it seemed to get the right dimension where the people weren't like exploding off the screen but there was enough dimension that they weren't it wasn't totally receding either it just seemed like yeah they were just kind of existing in the moment there uh i think they use it exceptionally well here yeah it comes down to design right i mean yeah filmmakers sure. know what they're doing like they know what their shots are going to look like or what have you and it's not a situation to call back to all the way to 2010 but it's not like clash of the titans where they're like well let's just add this on here because it's going to make us more money sure, it's more right. of a we've designed especially with movies like this where it's shot in 3d it's not after the fact done 
there's you have to you can't be a filmmaker that just walks in and, be, and just knows what they're doing already you have to plan that stuff out and that's what he's done here as far as how much he's using it to kind of affect your visuals like you're seeing stuff like you're mentioning that supermarket or that convenient the liquor store seat whatever it is the shop scene where like stuff's flying at you there's a version of that from like the 80s or whatever 3d was popular and it's kind of gimmicky form and jaws 3d where it's like look it's coming at you that's not sure. really the point here it's it's doing it for to you know get a visceral reaction out of you but not in a kind of cheesy let's just throw things out the wall and see what sticks kind of way there's actual thought going into like okay we're going to have a scene where everything's being destructed uh, destroyed, destructed, destroyed, and like coming at the frame to really throw you into the moment, and I think it's very effective. Also, yeah. there's a scene earlier on where there were Colombian flies are flying, and I was started waving stuff out of my eyes because I thought yeah. there were flies. <laughs> yeah, <right>. so, like, <laughs> uh, like I He's, did, I was he's... like, ah, oh, you got. I, like, I shook my finger at the screen, like, Angley, you did it again. <laughs> so far, you there's actually actually like you know closed circuit TV. It's like Angley's just laughing at you. Yeah, he uh, he's only you specifically. It's like it's like those those TV ads for movies where they put the camera in the theater in night vision and they show the audience like getting scared. They just have a camera of Angley watching that footage and be like, "Oh, I did it again." I, yeah, I got him. <laughs> and the last thing I want to ask you guys is, uh, do you guys have one or two nitpicks you guys want to point out? No. Notice any quibbles? One, one nitpick that I have: uh, mini boss guy with like the Gatling gun. Man, like, do you have to have that mask? Because that match is very, <laughs> very reminiscent of like a lot of like Wolfenstein games. <laughs> My the main thing I thought of was why do these guys have body armor? It does nothing at all for them. <laughs> like every like Will Smith That's and Mary Lou Will Smith. He says that the vulnerable parts are like where their necks are and their eye hole sockets. <laughs> and they're apparently just dead eye shots every single time because yeah. like none of that armor did anything to stop them while Will Smith and Winston are walking around in plain clothes like you know not getting hit whatsoever. Um. Also, at the same time, there's a big deal about Will Smith being like, I can't look in a mirror because I've, I've done so many bad things. I've killed so many people. Meanwhile, he's popping off people left and right when it comes to the henchmen. <laughs> there's so many people dying. There's nothing left film. in him. He doesn't That's care not what about he's them. talking about. That's not what he's talking about. Yeah, he's, not, he's not looking into the he's henchmen's souls like he's looking to a guy three miles away on a bullet train, apparently. <laughs> uh, other nitpicks? Yeah, I'm... I'm really bad with nitpicks in general. I mean, I think nitpicks tend to fall in the category of things you don't like when you're already not liking the movie. And so when I like the movie, I'm just like brushing them off and then I never remember them. More toucan. I'd be down for more toucan. More toucan. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, that was a wasted use of a toucan. They needed. It was more. not a wasted. It was a great tease. I mean, if this movie made money and we got Gemini two, Gemini Man two, still cloning. I mean, we'd be seeing toucans all over the place. I assume. And long back, yeah. <laughs> what was his name in the movie? His name is. Uh, I was gonna say Benny, but it's like that's too easy. Baron. Baron. Okay. Yeah. Barry. <laughs> Barry. Yeah. Barry, Henry, and uh, uh, what is Mary? Uh, Danny. Danny. A lot of oh, ease. Yeah. Even Clive Owen's called Clay, so. Oh. <laughs> what a bad guy name. Clay Varys. <laughs> yeah. Leader of Gemini. Yeah. <laughs> Any other thoughts on Gemini Man before we kind of wrap it up here and move on? That's a big-ass house he lives in. Clay Varys. <laughs> it's good to be the king. Yeah. Sleeping in silk pajamas. Your son's room looks like... It did when he was five. He bought him wow. a lot of uh, uh, Nikes. I know. I saw that in the back. I'm like, what is this? I had like a closet of Nikes. Yeah, like, that's pretty. That's a good. That's a good father. Well, that's because Henry father. Henry wore Converse. Obviously, that's Will Smith. So he did that <laughs> to get at him. <laughs> there we go. That must be it. All right. 
when should people go and see this movie? Scott, that's how we rate, that's how we rate movies on this podcast. We ask, when should people go and see this film? When should people see, see Gemini Man? Well, given the presentation, I think, uh, right, and given the box office right away, because <laughs> uh, you won't get many more chances to. Uh, yeah, I really think prioritizing uh, theatrical for these kind of movies that uh, are so well thought out in the frame rate in 3D, I, I do think it's necessary. Uh, if you're going to see the movie at all, I say it's worth forking over the extra and making the trip. Marcus? Uh, I guess you have to spend $20 on this movie or don't see it at all. I, I didn't. I didn't love it but it's not worth not seeing it in the highest frame in the in 3d it's not worth it right it is weird because i i definitely agree that a director you should see the movie the way the director intended it to be seen and that's my my lament that i've mentioned on this podcast and to aaron about billy lynn Um, i've only seen the 60 frames per rate on youtube clips after the fact and so I, I do say that you should check this out in the way that the director intended it to be. However, uh, in general, I would say that it's kind of more of a rental. Yeah, I mean, I can't promote the film based off of like how fantastic a story is being told, but at the same time, it is that experience. And this is where I grappled so much as far as how to like rate this movie because like it's I do think it's worth seeing on a big screen, and perhaps you'll just like it more than I do. I mean, that comes down to it also, but I. It is worth seeing just because of the unique experience you get from watching this movie on a big screen that has the capabilities of showing it to you, at least in some kind of higher fo- high frame rate form, as okay. opposed to waiting for HBO or waiting to rent it. Like So it, I would recommend it both because there's a lot of effort put in here, and it's the the effort that goes into the stuff that you want to see is there. So that's the recommendation. That's like that's what it goes down to for me. So yeah, get, find it in the theater in that premium screening format if you can. There you go. All right. Well, that was our review of Gemini Man. Let's move on now to uh, Abe. What uh, what time is it? Time for a fun uh, few games here. Little known fact: Junior is actually going to play that, but Clive Owen was like, "No, you've got to go learn and be a mercenary instead." Yeah, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> so it's unfortunate. You know, no fun things in his childhood. That was, of course, the improv theme for games. Abe, what do you got for us? I got a game for you guys. Actually, a few games for you guys under the theme of By the Numbers. Uh, Ang, Will, Liz, or Clive Edition. Um, first things first here, just uh, some general stuff to get us going. Uh, anyone of you can answer by buzzing in with your name and telling me the right answer here. But who out of Ang, Will, Liz, or Clive has the most number of Academy Award nominations? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Marcus, Marcus. Marcus? Uh... I'm going to go Ang Lee. Ang Lee is correct. Yeah, he's got four nominations. Everyone, Will Smith has two, and I don't think Clive Owen has one, and Mary Elizabeth Winsett has zero. What? All so, right, I win, what, right? So wait, wait, wait okay. <laughs> yeah? Is it foreign film, director, director, and director? Uh, director, picture, director, picture, and director. No foreign film. Huh. Yeah. Wait, you didn't? Well, I mean, it is a foreign film, but it's... Wait. He wasn't, like the re- he wasn't the recipient the... of the Oscar for the foreign film for Crouching Tiger? No. The country is. Yeah. The country, he doesn't get an Oscar for it? No. He got a, he's only got an Oscar for Life of Pi and uh, Brokeback Mountain. Yeah, Brokeback Mountain. Yeah. Don't take this away from me. Is that, is, <laughs> is that how it works, though, though? The, what, the nomination when you, when you win for best foreign language film? It's the country that gets the yeah, Oscar? Yeah, it's really oh. weird. Hmm. Interesting. I didn't That's know that either. Okay, that makes more sense. Because I was looking up Pedro Almodovar the other week, and it's like, why doesn't he have any Oscar wins showing under his name? Exactly. Okay, because he doesn't technically get the Oscar. Okay, that makes more sense to me. The country does? Interesting. 
there follow like up to that. Is there a um, cabinet in like the embassy somewhere? <laughs> follow up to that, which I gave some of the answers away. Uh, who has the most Academy Award wins? Well, Aaron, Ang Lee. That's, yeah. Yeah, it's Ang Lee. <laughs> yeah. Good collective effort, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here. This one ties into top four. Uh, so uh, the question I'm going to ask you guys is, uh, what is the highest grossing film uh, of Ang Lee? Scott, Life of Pi. Life of Pi is incorrect. Damn. Aaron. Aaron. Oh, now I'm in a pickle. Uh, I'm going to say Crouching Tiger. It is not Crouching Tiger. Yeah, it's the other one. Okay. Uh, Marcus? Marcus. For Marcus. The is it is it Brokeback? It's, it's not Brokeback. Well, it's, it's Hulk, then. It has it's to be Hulk. Hulk. It's Hulk? Yeah. Wow. Because you were the, yeah, Good for it, Hulk. It's Hulk. Yeah, oh, uh, because geez. you're the closest, Aaron, you can you can now enter into top four, which is when I ask you, what are the top four movies that IMDb lists for Ang Lee? Oh, so like on his page, what movies are? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll say Crouching Tiger. Okay. Brokeback Mountain. Okay. Life of Pi. Okay. Deep breath. Um, well, it's probably not less caution. I will say Sense and Sensibility. Ooh, three out of four. You should have said less caution because it was less caution. It is less caution? Yeah, it would have been four out of four. (laughs) (laughs) Next one here. Uh, What is the highest grossing film U.S. domestic for Will Smith? Aaron. Aaron? Is it Aladdin? It is Aladdin. Oh. I thought it was that or Suicide Squad. I couldn't remember which one (laughs) did the highest. And you also get now the top four pick uh, of IMDb. (laughs) For Will Smith? Yeah, for Will Smith. Um, in mm, Men in Black, okay. Independence Day, okay. Mm. <laughs> um, damn, damn is not an answer. Oh hell no. Um, let me think. <laughs> let's oh, Ollie <laughs> Suicide Squad. Ooh, you only got one of them there. It's God. Men in Black. Uh, the others are I Am Legend, Wild Wild West, and The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. What? These are the four <laughs> things that appear when you go to Will Smith. things that appear when you go to Will Smith's MVP page, baby. Wow. Medic Stone here. What is the highest grossing film of U.S. domestic for uh, Mary, Mary Elizabeth Winstead? Uh, I feel like Scott's going to get this one. Why would Wild Wild West be? Okay. <laughs> oh, why? Uh... Scott, uh, Scott, I'll go. I'll go. Ten Cloverfield Lane. Ten Cloverfield Lane is close, but not the number one uh, spot. Where has she been? That made a lot of money. That made a lot of money. And Scott, since you answered, you're actually just de facto gonna go into it unless somebody gets the right answer here. Aaron. Aaron. Final Destination Three. That is incorrect. Okay. <laughs> what? That's what I was. Oh. Uh, Marcus, with an answer. If not, uh, then I'm gonna give Scott the answer here, or Scott the go. Scott Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim is not correct. I yeah. <laughs> it is live free or die hard, which oh, I didn't of course. Oh, of course. live free or die. Oh yeah. no. So How Scott, much money did that make? <laughs> that made 134 million dollars. Oh yeah. no. Yeah. Ten for Lane, second place, 72 million. I knew there was some blockbustery thing. I couldn't think of what it was. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even know she was in So, there. Scott, what yeah. are the top movies that appear on Mary Elizabeth Winstead's <laughs> Uh I'm going to go Scott Pilgrim. Okay. I'm going to go 10 Cloverfield Lane. Okay. Uh, I'm going to quickly run out of Mary Elizabeth Winstead movies, so I'm going <laughs> to go... 
Oh, gosh. Um, live for your die hard. Sounds good. What do all the nerds love her for? <laughs> other stuff that made them fall in love with her. But I can't think of them, so I'm going to go with Faults. Ooh, three out of four. Ten Cloverfield Lanes, correct. Scott Pilgrim, correct. Live for your die hard, correct. And her last one, Smashed with Aaron Paul. Oh, yeah. Good for Smashed. Smashed is good. Last one here. What is the highest grossing film U.S. domestic for Benedict Wong? Uh, Aaron. Aaron. Endgame. That is correct. It is Endgame. With an astounding $858 million. And I assume the second is Infinity War, the third is Doctor Strange. It would have been Or Prometheus. What are the top four movies uh, on on Benedict Wong's MDB page? For B-dubs? For B-dubs. (laughs) <laughs> um, After JW, we got B dubs. I'm gonna say Doctor Strange. Got it. Which affinity? Hmm. Mm-hmm. even choose one. Um, I'll say Infinity War. Then I'll swerve and say The Martian and Sunshine. Hmm. You got a four out of four correct. Oh, really? Wow. <laughs> Damn. Infinity oh, War, wow. The Martian and Sunshine. Nice. All right, that was a good precursor to the real game this week, which is uh, on a scale of IMDb edition. This is what? where I'm going to name some of the uh, some of the movies that involve cloning. And if you guys can tell me the uh, closest number you think of in terms of the IMDb rating for this movie, that would be great. Everyone's going to get a chance to go. So here we go. The Sixth Day. Uh, Scott, what do you think the Sixth Day's IMDb rating is? I'm going to go 6.3. 6.3, okay. Uh, Marcus? The sixth day? Mm-hmm. Uh, 5.5. 5.5. And Aaron? I guess I'll split that difference and say 5.9. Oh, uh, this is exactly the price correct. Is right. What? what? 5.9 is exactly correct. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> Aaron, you get that one here. Next one, Logan. Uh, Aaron, what do you think IMDb's score for Logan is? Oh, well, the nerds love Logan, so let's say like 8.1. <laughs> Markets. I'm gonna go 8.5. 8.5 and Scott. 8.6. It oh. is exactly 8.1. So, <laughs> ah, Aaron, this I don't know how you're doing this, Aaron. <laughs> Some sort of Benedict Wong, Doctor Strange magic here. I'm just staring at a picture of Robert Forrester. That's what I'm doing. It is oh, the energy that I need. Y'all love then. Yeah. <laughs> Next one here. Multiplicity. Marcus, what do you think multiplicity got? Oh jeez. Um I'm gonna go six point one. Okay, six point one. And Scott, what do you think multiplicity got? Hmm, I'm gonna go six point seven. Okay, and Aaron? Let's split that difference and say six point <laughs> four. Oh, six point four is incorrect. Marcus, it is exactly six point one. Oh yeah. That's what's up. The next one here. Was, I get to play the was... showcase or what? <laughs> You're building up to get to the showcase showdown. Remember how there was multiple Michael Keatons, and like one of them was like, "What happened?" When one of them was like, make... a, like kind of weird, yeah. Well, they make the last one, and then the other ones are like, you know how you make a copy of a copy, and it doesn't turn out as good as the other copy, and then that's the results of the <laughs> the last Michael. Keaton. Morty also did this in one of their episodes with uh, one of the Ricks. <laughs> I've seen, uh, the next one here. I've seen, that movie, I've seen that movie exactly once, by the way, but that for some reason that sticks out. <laughs> <You> to really <laughs> stick, yeah, I mean, that's how the trailer goes too. Uh, Scott, what do you think Oblivion got? Ooh. I'm going to give that a solid uh, 6.3. 6.3, okay. And Aaron? 
I believe Oblivion is a movie that we both like on this show. Yeah. It's a, it's a good movie. Um, Tom Cruise, Oblivion, let's say 6.6. 6.6, and Marcus. Do the nerds love Tom Cruise? Um, Depends. I'm gonna. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm gonna go five nine. Five nine. Right. Yeah. Five, nine. I didn't. I didn't love it. Uh, so it is not. Aaron, you're the closest. It is seven point zero. No. Oh, wow. Yeah. Really. People liked it, yeah. People that didn't see Moon are like, Oblivion's where it's at, guys. (laughs) (laughs) The next one here, uh, The Island. Uh, Who started started for last time? Was it you, Scott, that started? Scott did, yeah. Oblivion? Yeah. Aaron, what do you think think The Island got? Well, first off, let me let you know, based off the trailer, there is no island, which is a good thing to tell (laughs) you in a trailer for a movie that you have mystery about. Um, (laughs) uh, Michael Bay's, the the nerds are like, this is the good one, guys. So I'm going to say 7.2. 7.2, okay. Uh, Marcus? This is the good one. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with six six oh. Six oh and uh Scott? Six point seven. Scott, you get it. It's six point eight. Oh, hey. Alright. Yeah. Next one here. Jurassic Park. Uh Marcus. What do you think Jurassic Park got? Let's, let's go high with this one. I'm gonna go eight eight. Eight point eight. Okay, Scott? Eight five. Eight five. And Aaron? Eight three. It is exactly eight three, so stop doing that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the next one here. Star Wars Episode Two Attack of the Clones. Uh, Scott, what do you think that movie got? Ooh. I'm gonna go low. I'm gonna go five seven. Five seven. Okay. Hey, Aaron? Um six five. Six five. And Marcus? I'm gonna go five eight. Five, eight. It is six point six. Aaron, you get that point. Hmm. So, I got it. This is why I tend not to use the MDB scale because Aaron is somehow very good at this. <laughs> I just, uh, I, can, I can feel that energy that they have about these movies. <laughs> what I tell you? Yeah, two more here. Moon. Um, Aaron, what do you think Moon got? I'll do a solid eight point oh. Eight point oh, Marcus. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do nerds. Nerds love this. Uh, nine. Nine. Okay, and Scott. Seven seven. It is seven point nine. So Aaron, you oh. get that one because you're point one away instead of point <laughs> so two <close>. away. <laughs> Marcus, nothing gets a nine unless it's like Shawshank or Godfather. <laughs> like nothing's getting that high. <laughs> two right, that we we, we universally agree. Ten. I don't think anyone's nine out of ten. Last one here. Never let me go, Marcus. What do you think? Never let me go, God. Never let me go. It was a movie about organs harvesting for uh, old people and rich people uh, using their clones. It was basically the island, but even more pop culture And more depressing, perhaps. Just super fun all the way around. Everyone had a great time. Andrew, Andrew Garfield was screaming about how good he was in that movie. That's a big joke for people that actually have seen Never Let Me Go. <laughs> Andrew Garfield, Never yep. Let Me Go. I'm going to go 5-5. Five, five. 5.5. Scott, Mark, what do you Mark, think? Marcus, have you not seen Never Let Me Go? <laughs> I have never seen I've, I've never, no, I've never seen it's, it. It's good, Alex good Garland's, it's Alex Garland's first oh, movie for uh, Ex Machina. And, uh, yeah, this is actually one of my favorite movies of the decade. I'm going to go 7.2. 7.2. And Aaron? I'll say 7.5. It is 7.1, so Scott, you get that one. Yeah. That was on a scale of IMDb edition for clone movies. Aaron, you ran away with it because you were spookily uh, on the nose for like four of them. Uh, but Scott, hey, good job. Second place. 
Woo! And Marcus, thanks for playing, buddy. Where did I? What? You got one. Point. I got. <laughs> I got. got did I get a point? <laughs> I, I I was killing it in that pre thing, but I didn't know they were practice. It's practice <laughs> round. Yeah, Abe likes to pull the rug out from under. I know. Games. Yeah. I'm more upfront about how you're going to lose the game in this way. Uh, <laughs> I was like, why is Aaron being so quiet and just put the hammer? But yeah, good job, Scott. When you when you get questions right, that means you actually get to come back to the show eventually. So you're on the hey, board. Yeah. <laughs> on the board, baby. On the good board. Oh man. Well, Abe, thank you for that. Good game. job, Scott. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> thank you for that game, Abe. That was a lot of fun. Let's um let's get into uh, some out now feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. This is where we go over some of the various questions and answers on our po- on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash outnowpodcast, where we ask listeners a number of questions and they gave us answers. And uh, actually, we didn't get any questions this week. How unfortunate. I That's like okay. Questions. Yeah. All right. First question for everybody, uh, first question we asked everyone on the listener page um, is, what is your favorite Ang Lee film? Irene writes, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Adam Gentry writes, it's Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and Sense and Sensibility, a close second. I'd also give a shout out to Ride with the Devil, which is quite underrated. By which I mean sadly forgotten. Uh, Corinne has Brokeback Mountain. Justin writes Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon by far. Tyler writes The Ice Storm, and Chris has Crouching Tiger and Brokeback Mountain. I mean, I'm a big, I'm a big Crouching Tiger fan as well. I'll, I like Life of Pi a lot. Like I've watched yeah, that movie yeah. a That's lot. Very, very um uh on uh on brand. It's it's very true to the book. Well, that's that's neat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, what's your favorite uh, Ang Lee movie? Uh, with the admission that I haven't seen Crouching Tiger since it came out, and I was all 14 years old and have been dying to revisit it, uh, I, I think I'm going to go with Brokeback Mountain. Yeah. Great score. And yeah. good music. Next question we have here. Don't hate the player, hate the game. What's the best Will Smith look? And uh, Chris mm. had bad boys uh, for this uh, for this question. Hmm. It's because it's because Mike Lowry dresses well. However, I'm gonna say that the best look is actually Will Smith in Independence Day, just uh, in a in a flight suit, one piece flight suit. It's gotta be the flat top in Fresh Prince, right? Or are we just talking? That's about? a pretty good flat top, though. That's a yeah. I yeah, like I his, think I'm stick with Bad Boys too. Bad Boys too. I, I like too. his uh, I like his Hancock out of jail in a nice suit after saving people look. Because <laughs> he's like. He's he's in between that like Ollie big and bulky Will Smith and that like trying to be stylish Will Smith. It's no like, love for uh, Wild West hometown road. He is probably Look. dressed the best because of like all the like crazy <laughs> Western that, yeah, leather he has to wear. Steampunk stuff. Yeah. <laughs> steampunk. Yeah. Especially like those music videos and everything he was doing and that where he had like fancy glasses and stuff. It was yeah that movie. We're making I know listener justin happy because he loves wild wild west but uh you know, <laughs> oh. next question we have here remember when clive owen was too cool for school what's your favorite clive owen role <laughs> korean writes children of men is the obvious answer i really like the series that he's starting called second sight where he played a detective that was going blind and i need to marathon the nick one of these days i'm a fan christopher mm-hmm. writes i'm torn between shoot 'em up and frank miller's sin city also inside man david yeah has i dig the higher which is the bmw yeah, series of short films uh, Patrick has King Arthur, of course. Um, Adam writes Children of Men. Is there another answer? Uh, Scott adds the higher BMW films. Chris has, yep, has to be Children of Men, and then Sin City. Justin has Children of Men. Eric has Children of Men, and April has Inside Man for me. What are your favorite Clive Owen roles? Those BMW short films are really, <laughs> really good. A lot of fun. They're yeah, really cool. Ang-, Ang Lee directed one of those, and so did John Woo. And uh, my chosen. favorite one from uh, from uh, uh, Wong Kar Wai. Wong Kar Wai, yeah, that one's great. 
Chosen, I believe, is the angly one. Hmm. Inside Man. It's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, I think it would go Inside Man, too. Uh, yeah, glad, just, some, glad Shoot'em Up got some love, though. Shoot'em Up is fun. Like, I watched it's not it a recently, great movie, but I do but it, like Clive Owen in it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I like his... Him and Gia, Giamatti's having a ball. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Paul Giamatti has a ball in every movie he's in. Yeah, I mean, he didn't have a bigger ball than ever than in Spider-Man. Sorry, the... The Amazing Spider-Man. The Amazing too, Spider-Man, yeah. The, where he's perfectly Rhino. cast, and I love everything he does in that movie, because it's it's fantastic. Yeah, he's totally want to see a mechanical rhino, dude. I want to see that. Fo- Scott, I know you're with me on this one. I mean, Amazing Spider-Man 2, that movie rocks, and Paul Giamatti. It does. Uh, I don't know if it rocks, but it is important <laughs> that people give it credit for. for I, like, I like the way that Aaron said that up. Scott, you're going to be with me on this. <laughs> I don't know if it's rocks. <laughs> it's got some rocking moments. It does. It does have rocket moments. I, <laughs> I have no shame about how much I like Spider- Amazing Spider-Man 2. <laughs> hey, man, I, I like weird movies, too. <laughs> I, I'm aware. Yeah, best of the best. What's, what's the next question? <laughs> next question is, what are some of your favorite chase scenes? Dennis has the parkour chase scene in Casino Royale. Trinity's rooftop chase scene in, in The Matrix. Practically all of the Bourne trilogy. Yep, it's just a trilogy, so they're not including... Um, uh, J- Jeremy Renner's The Bourne Legacy uh, or Jason Bourne Jason Bourne, yeah Chris writes French Connection or Bullet and when they chase the Millennium Falcon through the asteroid field in Empire, always love that Slap your grinning and drop your linen Can't believe I forgot Xenomorph chasing Newt and most of Fury Road and Mad Max Road Warrior Lastly, Patrick has Ronin car scenes um, dr- uh, driving against traffic at high speed with no CG Pretty amazing, yeah They, they were in a BMW doing uh, drift sequences and like in the turns it's pretty cool I mean, speaking of driving against traffic at high speed to live and die in la is one that i like pointing out a lot mm-hmm. and speaking of parkour district b13 that's just a movie i haven't talked about in a while and i really like that movie so. it's true yeah i like the opening sequence of uh 28 weeks later is that a chase scene yeah he's being yeah, chased there yeah, yeah there we go that's pretty cool uh Man, I, I'm so bad at coming up with these off the top of my head, but I really like uh, the chase stuff in uh, Rogue Nation, Mission Possible. Yeah, oh. for sure. Cool. Motorcycles. Uh, I just want to throw in the way of the gun. Yeah, of course. That's an out now favorite for sure. All right, next one. Favorite action climaxes from recent years. Chris writes, for me, it was Brad Pitt coming out with a goddamn flamethrower. Although, is he referring to Leonardo DiCaprio coming out with a goddamn flamethrower? Could I be. believe so. Could be. Maybe maybe there was a scene where I didn't see Brad Pitt coming out with one. He used a stunt, stunt double. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Justin writes, the last 20 minutes of Rogue One was a dream come true, finally getting to see parts that led up to Star Wars A New Hope. Um, action climaxes. The one offhand that I could think of right away was Mad Max Fury Road, because, I mean, <laughs> every, that the entire chase is incredible. Yeah. Uh, free yeah, Solo. That... Free Solo. Yeah, it's an hey, action climax. Right. Yeah. It's thrilling. I, I got to stick with my uh, Mission Impossible line. I mean, Fallout's one of the rare action movies that doesn't peak in the middle. It really peaks at the climax. Yes, yeah. 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 Although the stuff in the middle, also very good. Movie. Oh, for sure. But then, and it, the middle's so good that you're like, well, you know, this is clearly the best stuff in the movie. And then the end happens. You're like, holy shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, no line of Mission Accomplished, though. That's unfortunate. Well, sure. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Ving Ring was here was there already, so he didn't need to, you know, be oh. after the fact. The next question is uh, favorite films involving shady, shady corporations. Christopher has Hackers, The Amazing Spider-Man, Batman Returns, Trading Places, The Accountant, Batman Forever, Iron Man 2, and Iron Man 3. 
Dennis writes, Batman Returns, Sneakers, and The Social Network with like a winky, smiley <laughs> face. Unless uh, uh, John has The Insider, which is about whistleblowing. Blade Runner? Blade Runner. There you go. Uh, yeah, the Tyrell Corporation. You're talking about Tyrell or you're talking about, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, or whatever Jared, what Leto, Jared Leto run in the future. It's still, it's still the Tyrell. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to some degree, Wayland Industries. Yeah, I mean, yeah. They well, not to some degree. I mean, they programmed Ian Holm <laughs> to be like, guys, we got to go here. It's going to be super fun. <laughs> and uh, that's the message they got. Remember, remember when Ripley's like, guys, we got this message. It's supposed to be super fun. And they're like, yeah, yeah. Let's do it. yeah. It's like this guy was the Hobbit. We can trust him. <laughs> yeah, because that that makes sense because obviously Ian Holm became a robot after time traveling to the future to become. You know, he's yeah. also 111 years old. It's it's possible. Yeah. Ian Holm is you know he's ageless. That's what I've always said about. Him. <laughs> Any uh, shady corporations for you guys? So, I mean, again, I'm so bad at coming up with these off the top of my head, but I'm uh, going to assume the company is incorporated by the end of it and go with uh, there will be blood. <laughs> That's a good I mean they've been taking money from that, that bandy ranch for years. You know what's a fun bit in that movie? When <laughs> um when Daniel Day because that movie's very funny. Um when Daniel Day Lewis is in the restaurant with his son and the other oil company guys get in there <laughs> and he's like pretending to he's he's pretending to talk to his son and has like a napkin over his face and is like really really like dragging them (laughs) and like just proving how right he was that that uh day to day you you know daniel plainview he's got some jokes he's got a fun bit about that scene yeah uh the first time i saw the movie was a midnight showing and i drank a ton of soda to step and i had to go to the bathroom i was like i'm I'm dying to finish the movie but i gotta go and i left during that scene and it being the perfect scene to leave a movie during (laughs) (laughs) what's also fun about that scene he orders milk for his son yeah (laughs) good dad bad dad (laughs) i mean (laughs) bad dad It's not no. a Darth Vader situation where it was obviously <laughs> the Darth Vader is a good dad. Um, this is a, this is a topic we're going to continue to have. Yeah. Next, last question we have here: favorite South Korean films. Uh, Chris <laughs> writes Snowpiercer and Train to Busan. It's got to be Mother. Oh, Jojo's just... Mother. Yeah, I, yeah. It's that's a good one. I I love it. Wait till you see Parasite. Uh, oh, jeez. <laughs> it's more like that, I would say, than like other movies he's done. Okay. Um, I'm a huge old boy fan. I'll put old boy out there, of course. I'm going to hang tight for my boy uh, Hong Sang Soo and say On the Beach at Night Alone. There you go. That's still one I, because I, 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 it was on year end, or at least I don't know if David Bax had it on his top 10, but I know like you guys were. It fans wouldn't of have it. counted for David's stupid year end system. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> it was on my list. Jeez, David, be nicer. <laughs> yeah, as for, for listeners, David Bax, friend of the show, he. His films that'll fall on top ten list, they have to have come like they have to have been what produced in that in the current year. So yeah. a movie that like you may have seen at a festival in twenty seventeen but doesn't come out till twenty eighteen wouldn't count for his twenty eighteen list. <laughs> yeah. So my pick of uh, the writer last year wouldn't have counted. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I want to add in my sassy girl because it's uh, not just it, it's not actually a movie that I really enjoy. It's more just like here's a Korean movie that's not a drama. Mm. There's some funny. I mean, <laughs> Parasite's hilarious. I mean, that's <laughs> Wait, don't no spoilers. Anyway, funnier that than Joker? Bad. I don't think so. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> be back, be back, be back. Oak just basically a family movie. What I mean, guys? Like... I mean, yeah. yeah. yeah All right, yeah, that was feedback. So thank you. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Let's start wrapping things up here. Let's get to a little out now presents what's out now. These are movies that are coming out on Blu-ray, 4K, DVD, streaming, and all that stuff. Um, and I'll go through all this. 
If you've uh, seen these, feel free to give her yay or nay as I go through the list here. Uh, first up, we have Crawl. Oh, yeah, I like that. Oh, my God. That's the alligator. Oh, yeah, the alligator's yeah. in Florida. Yeah, see it. It's fun. Yeah. It yeah. Fun. I like that. It's fun. Uh, Stuber. It's not it's, fun. It's I. <laughs> I ate. Yeah, that's, that's, that's fine. Um, the Art of Self-Defense. I was a fan. I like. Well, you guys have heard that it's fun. It's good. Uh, let's see. Three from Hell. This was the Rob Zombie follow-up to The Devil's Rejects and, and House of a Thousand Corpses. I did not get to see this as of yet, but I am a fan of The Devil's Rejects, although I haven't okay. heard very good things okay with this it. at all. So. Yeah. Uh, Teen Titans Go versus Teen Titans. That comes out this week. Is this an animated movie? Now, when you ask that question, do you think there's a world where they made a Teen Titans Go versus Teen Titans in live action? I mean, action? Did, didn't they make that that dark Teen Titans TV show? They made the they made the Teen Titans like yeah, the Warner Brothers. The one with the uh, friend the, of the show. Sorry, Brent, the, the DC. Yeah, Brendan. Yeah, friend of the show. Brendan Thwaites is in that. Yeah. No, yes, yeah, so this is an animated version or Got it. movie. It's one of the DC animated films. Um, let's see TV stuff. Uh, the House of Hill, not, bleh, the Haunting of Hill House extended director's cut is out this week. Is that so the series on Netflix? That's the Netflix series. That's rather good. Um, but there's now uh, select episodes have extended director's cuts versions that are now available. You can get all that on uh, on Blu-ray for mm. that series. So yeah. Uh, let's see Ultraman, the complete series. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Twin Peaks, the television collection. So like yeah, all of Twin right. Peaks, not counting Fire Walk with You, I assume, is on a okay a new, uh, fantastic Blu-ray box set for you. Sounds good. I started watching that maybe like a month ago and I haven't picked it up. Not because I don't want to, but because it's a little bit too weird for me right now. Oh. And you can use less weird, is that what you're saying? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. On Warner Archive this week, we have The Fearless Vampire Killers. Don't know what that is. Is that a cushion? One of Sharon Tate's movies. It's really good. Sharon? Yeah, it's one of Sharon oh, Tate's. Yeah, one okay. Really good? Okay. Uh, let's see. The Omen Collection from Scream Factory. This includes all four Omen films as well as the 2006 remake with, with Lee Schreiber. Schreiber. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Hell Who's yeah. the wife in that? Julia Stiles. Interesting. Okay. Hell yeah. Also, a great beheading sequence. I mean, the in the original Omen. Yeah, in the yeah. original. Yeah. You didn't yeah. expect it. I was like, holy crap! It's one of those great jump scares. Yeah. <laughs> Is it a jump scare? I'm trying to remember. Is it a jump scare? It's just kind it's of. It's not like, a jump oh, scare because it, it, yeah. like, yeah, it's, it's just more like a, gonna crash. Yeah. Yeah, it's more like oh, this is gonna suck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and on Criterion this week, Haxon. Sounds like a restaurant. <laughs> You know, Scott, have you seen Taxon? Uh, back in college, uh, shown to me by a professor who I think was genuinely into witchcraft. Oh, what? That, that adds I up. I gotta see this. Perfect yeah. for Halloween. Yeah. I have not seen this one, but the cover for it looks amazing. Like it's a Yeah, it's a pretty cover. cool movie. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 4K stuff. American Gangster is on 4K for the first time. Hey, um, it's a good song. T.I. is in that movie. T.I. is in that movie. Mm. Uh, let's see. Scarface gets a 4K edition. Okay. Mm. And do you think the Scarface love has waned in recent years? Like it seems like that used to be like everyone loves Scarface, and like there's an like, audience that it's, certainly it's loves like, Scarface. It's like right when you get into college, people like love Scarface. But do you think that's died down? Recently? Yeah, I think it has. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. it was like Jay Z and all those guys that. Well, kept certainly like a rapper it. thing for a while, but even then, it seems like people just aren't talking about it the same way they talk about Scarface yeah. anymore. Now they're Little all Nas about... X doesn't like Scarface. So. <laughs> I'd love to see a rise in Carlito's Way Love because that movie rocks. <laughs> I like that's, Carlito's Way. that's not the one where he's blind, is it? No, that's Son of a Woman. Yeah, <laughs> has nothing to do. No, it's Carlito, Carlito's Way is just like it's like a weird unofficial. Is that like sequel. Rain Man? Because <laughs> it's still it's still Brian De Palma and it's written by uh, David Kep. 
and it's Al Pacino, and they yeah. add Sean Penn and Sean Penn's hair, and it's but it's like, what if Tony didn't die and instead became like a reformed version of himself? Like that's kind mm-hmm. of the idea, and I like Carly uh, Dozani quite a bit. Okay. And uh, Hellboy 4K 15th Anniversary Edition. Is out Fifteen this years movie. already? Uh, since <laughs> the first Hellboy, yes. Yeah. Wow. Good awesome. job, GDT. You can, you, you can you can watch David Harbor on Saturday Night Live then not watch him in Hellboy, and then watch the original Hellboy and feel good about yourself. I mean, that's uh, just a way to go, I would say. Uh, let's see. New to streaming this week. On Netflix, we have, as we mentioned, the aforementioned El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie, um, and also Shit's Creek Season 5. For all the Kudos and getting fans. Season 5. That, those are hard to get on TV, so good Does job. anyone watch Shit's Creek? No, know, but they the keep on like getting a ton of like award nominations, right? Yeah, it's a it's it's very popular at very yeah. awards. It's, nobody nobody watches the Shit's Creek apparently. Mm-mm. No, it's got Eugene Levy. It's got Catherine O'Hara. It's like I should watch this. And Eugene probably... Levy's son. Yeah, something Levy. <laughs> I don't know his name. I don't watch the show. I don't see the opening credits. So I don't I don't have that memorized, guys. I'm sorry. He looks like um, a taller Johnny Galecki. <laughs> you're not you're not wrong. Um, <laughs> on Prime this week. Nothing, uh, nothing super new to speak of, but I did notice that Memories of Murder, Bong Joon-ho's one of his first films, is up on, uh, up oh, on wow. Prime now. Awesome. And uh, Trilogy of Terror, because why not? That's just a solid anthology film. There you go. <laughs> um, all right, next week's show. Next week, we will... Well, we got Maleficent, colon, Mistress of Evil, and we have Zombieland, colon, Double Tap. Ooh, might so, be a double feature, then. Might be a double feature, because yeah. what better movies to talk about together than Maleficent, Mistress of Evil, and Zombieland, Double Tap? I mean, both of them are comedies, right? Uh. Hmm? Both of them are comedies. <laughs> yeah, one's about like meeting your in-laws and having a lot of fun with that, and the other is Miss Maleficent, it's, Mistress of Evil. What, what, <laughs> what if Maleficent, Mistress of Evil was like the sequel to Guess Who's Coming to Dinner? It just addresses race relations between fairies and princesses. It's actually speciesism. Yeah. yeah, I would see that. There you go. Ashton Kutcher well, makes a cameo. The main thing I know about it beyond the general premise is that Chiwetel Ejiofor plays some kind of fairy creature as well, and he went. Yeah, I'm not sure what those animals are. <laughs> They're like fairy things. Yeah. That classic Dungeons and Dragons character, fairy things. Perfect. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, last thing we do here. What should people go and see now, and what do you plan to see next? Scott, let's start with you. What should people see in theaters right now? Uh, Pain and Glory, uh, the new yeah. Pedro Almodovar movie. It's excellent. It is. I agree. What are you seeing next? Oh damn! Uh, tomorrow I'm gonna go see the Cotton Club Encore Edition. Oh, cool. Yeah. This is the, the like the director's cut of for yeah. Coppola for the Cotton Club, yeah, yeah. I'm, I I've never seen the Cotton Club, and like I heard, like he had to basically he was encouraged to cut out the the black focused stories in that film, and he always felt bad about it. And now he's restored that those subplots, I suppose. Mm. So like that, yeah, I, yeah. I the original that. cut's a little messy, so I'm very very keen on catching the new one. For sure, mm. yeah. I want I want to see it too at some point. Oh, Marcus, yeah. what should people see in theaters right now? Um, I'm gonna say Joker. Uh-huh. And <laughs> I guess I was going to see Parasite, but I think I'm going to see Bad Boys 2. Sold you on it, yeah. <laughs> I think, you know. And you don't have to Parasite. leave your house on Netflix. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Uh, Parasite. I don't know. Is Parasite getting a wider release anytime soon? I hope so. I mean, I'm sure it will over the next few weeks. I'm not sure exactly. I don't have... You know, I'm not neon. I don't know the oh. exact release schedule. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Someday I will be. Someday. Um, Abe, where are you at? 
gotta throw some love over to Abominable. See that if you haven't had a chance, and then also, yeah, give some uh, give some money over to Gemini Man. I mean, the the technical things in it are pretty great, and then definitely Zombie Land Double Tap and Maleficent next. Uh, yeah, Pan and Glory was on my list of things to see because yeah, it is quite good, and Antonio Banderas is very good in it. And um, Monos, I know that's spread a little bit wider. Oh. I am a big fan of that film, so uh, if you can find it, go see it. Um, good. And yeah, Parasite's in a whopping four theaters, but if it's in your town, New York and LA listeners, <laughs> go check it out for sure. New York might be a little difficult. I hear it's sold out everywhere. Um, but yeah, no, that's, you know, it's it's fantastic. And uh, yeah, Maleficent, actually, that was going to be the thing I'm seeing tomorrow, but I'm actually seeing Uncut Gems tomorrow, and I'm very excited Ooh. about that. Um, but yeah, with all that said, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Out Now with Aaron and Abe. You can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodeazeek.com. Everything I do ends up over there. You can also find me on Twitter at Aaron'sPS4. Abe? Follow me on Twitter or follow me on Instagram, Abe.Mua, and Twitter.com slash WalrusMoose. Hashtag in Russia, we call that Tuesday. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great line. <laughs> yeah, that was a good... <laughs> Marcus Robinson, where can people find more of your work online? Uh, movies Marcus on Twitter uh, at uh, or moviesmarcus.com. Uh, um, if you read it really fast, uh, follow me on Instagram at moviesmarcus. Um, and that's it. Scott and I, where can people find more of you? Uh, on Twitter at Rail of Tomorrow. That's R A I L of Tomorrow. Uh, and at Battleship Pretension and Criterion Cast. You can, uh, of course, find all the other episodes out now, Third and Abe, on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Audioboom. HRWD, SoundCloud, Podomatic, all over the internet. And uh, feel free to email us at outnowpockets at gmail.com. Uh, Facebook.com slash podcast or Twitter.com slash underscore podcast. And of course, our Instagram page, which is also out now underscore podcast as well. Thank you both, Marcus and uh, Scott, for joining us this week. Thank you, yeah, Marcus. Thanks, Scott. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you to listeners for, <laughs> for tuning in to hear us talk all about Clive Owen and Toucans. And uh, until next week, when we figure out the magic of Zombieland and Maleficent, that's going to do it. So until next time, so long. And goodbye. trailer for Gemini Man. I forget how the trailer goes. Something about Mary Lewis's one set saying like, has this ever happened to you? Your government <laughs> coming for you? I think it's that the um, very teary-eyed version of Will Smith like saying like, he knew every one of my moves. He's talking to like, oh. and, <laughs> and isn't there like some like slow pop song playing in the background? Like some like the first it's like Jaden Smith. Oh, it's the Jaden Smith song? No, no, in the, in the newest, in the, sorry, in, oh, the newer, the in the newer trailer, there is a Jaden Smith pot song. In the older trailer, there is like a slowed down pop song going That's how you get audience excited when you, when you play and that's a slow how you know pop it's song. Future? Yeah. That's, how, yeah, that's, all you saw, that's also how you know it's the future. <laughs> I wonder if Jaden got any like back end points. Like, you got to put my son on this trailer. <laughs> Why would he of, get the points? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, I, I don't know how things work. <laughs> I don't know how things work from the his, trailer. His contract point. is amazing. Then his agent's great. God, it's, not an, it's not it's not an Overbrook back. production, so yeah, I, you know, it's not like it's all going to the Smith Bank. But I mean, yeah. I'm sure everyone got paid. I don't think that's a real thing to be concerned about. You don't know that craft services. It was just like their boxed water from the Smith family being served. So that's how they got. <laughs> Probably yeah, is. Yeah. Good opportunity.
Scott, this is not what we're going to keep in this show, by the way. <laughs> You're just like, Bang. oh, I figured. <laughs> <laughs> this is my this is my A stuff. <laughs> All right. 